Well, well. Here we are. I want to congratulate you for being on time. What's happening, hot stuff? Bueller? Bueller? Gary and White, they created me on their computer. I'm not gonna stand here and listen to this baloney. He won't, you know. He doesn't stand for baloney. Hey, how come Andrew gets to get up? That's right. If he gets up, we'll all get up. It'll be anarchy. Do I offend? I'm not embarrassed. Fresh breath's priority in my life. It's a little childish and stupid, but then so is high school. You know what time it is? Time to pay the fiddler. Live from Members Only Studios, welcome to Living in the 80s. I am Rob. Today, I have got Matt and John with me. How's it going, man? Hello. So, um, it's it's really cool to have everybody here. It is. It's, there's just something special about getting together with some old good friends old and gang. just kind of talking about stuff. That's good. I couldn't find anybody like that, so I got you two. Oh, oh sweet. That's good. I've Set been working up. on that joke all week. <clears throat> Set it up and knocked it down the yeah. side. Yeah, yeah. I can just get you in here and feed you and ruin your self esteem. No. Um, before we get started, uh, again, thank you for listening. Uh, we are broadcasting this podcast. On Apple Music, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, just about every place you can listen to a podcast, you can find us. So thank you for joining. Not to mention Star1079.com and uh, Roundtown Radio. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, So one of the things we wanted to talk about today, um, of course you clicked on the button there because you wanted to come and be part of the magic and you saw ooh John Hughes movies that ooh. sounds great ooh. and uh honestly John Hughes uh he helped we've talked about him on here before he helped shape our our teenage years absolutely so from 16 candles <laughs> the Ferris Bueller's day off and a few other things in between he kind of he's responsible for how we viewed love and dating and proms and music we heartbreak, to, music we listen to. The way we dress. The way we dress. Oh, big time, but the way we dress. Big time. Oh, my goodness. You can see old pictures of us looking like... John Bender. Like John think, Bender yeah. or Ferris Bueller. <laughs> yeah, John Bender or Ducky. Yeah, my yes. boss Ducky. Yeah. So, Still do. Okay. Little, little background on, on John Hughes. He is originally from the Chicago area. So a lot of his movies, and just about all of the, the, of the teen movies, yeah. but some others too, take place either in Chicago or in one of the s- suburbs. So it's where he grew up at. You see a lot of you know Cubs hats and Bears hats and mm-hmm. things like that uh, in the in the movies. Um, his first movie that he ever kind of was part of was uh, way back Animal House. So he was a writer for uh, National Lampoon magazine. So him being with that group of guys kind of helped elevate him, so to speak, into uh, into a different different world. 
And uh, he died in 2009. He had a heart attack. But uh, the legacy left behind in his films is amazing. Um, like Matt had mentioned, the music, the the movies, the fashion, like everything. Um, uh, if you were a kid in the 80s, teenager in the 80s, you knew it. And the reason I asked these guys to come with me today uh, is because like, these guys grew up during that era. So the movies, we remember when they were first out or when they were first released on VHS or whatever. So we can, we can talk very... Um, I don't want to say intelligently because yeah. we're not those kind that's of guys. I mean, we still quote <clears throat> even today these you, movies. Yeah. yeah, we quote lines from these movies all the time. Yeah, and you know what? You guys listening at home do the same thing. Absolutely. Whether you know it or not, you do. Oh yeah. So uh, before we we what we decided to do since today's election day. And everybody's talking about voting, and there's so much pressure to vote for the right candidate and stuff. We decided not to do a poll, but we did our own top ten list of our favorite John Hughes movies. Yeah, we voted on John Hughes movies. Yeah. Like and these that. and these are John Hughes movies only in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Like he did like Home Alone, Home Alone Two, and some of that other stuff. Yeah, and we just decided we're going to stick with the eighties because that's what we do here. So before we get to our top ten. Uh, let's mention his other movies that were uh, out in the '80s, but uh, didn't quite get the, um, you know, didn't get into sneak into our top ten. Uh, the first one uh, was one we hopefully remember well, Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck. So uh, best I can remember, and I haven't seen this in a while. It's been a while for me too. The parents uh, have to go out of town. There's this. This uncle, this crazy uncle crazy these uncle kids Buck. have that they don't really know very well, but he has to come and babysit them for like Is it Macaulay Coughlin, the, the kid? He's the he boy. is. Yeah. yeah, he is. I think that's his first movie appearance was in Uncle Buck. Was so, it? See, I did not. See, so you know that? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they, they, they hate him. They disrespect him. Of course, it's John Candy, so they end up loving him. He wins them over. Yeah. That Uncle Buck charm. Uncle Buck Charm. Uncle Buck Charm. Don't you wish you had some Uncle Buck Charm, John? Well, <laughs> my nieces think I do, so. Here as long as go. they're, they're good. Here and, John, are. I have a feeling you may want to speak up just a tiny bit. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so, um, all right. <laughs> he is now making out with a microphone, ladies and gentlemen. It's kind of gross. It's kind of gross. <laughs> so, Uncle Buck, not a lot to say about it. You know, we're going to concentrate on the top ten, but we wanted to mention these two. She's having a baby. Uh, Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon, yep. our guy. So we, we love little Kevin Bacon. I, we do I, too. I, I think he's. What's your favorite Kevin that? Bacon movie? Tremors. Tremors. That's a good one. <laughs> I mean, I, I just it's it's cheesy, but I'm a Footloose dude, man. I am too. I love Footloose. Love Footloose. Man. I just love it. I did watch him in Friday the Thirteenth recently. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yes. I saw him on there. I couldn't believe. I, I, Blew me away seeing him on there. I yeah. just never so registered. Lying in the bed and the knife up through. Oh my yeah, gosh, that was great. Never That's registered right. he was in that movie. Sure was. Yeah. So she's having a baby. I think Elizabeth McGovern's in this one too. Yep. So that one, uh, that came out, um, that came out in 1988. And the, the plot of the film, um, uh, this married couple, uh, have a baby and the movie is mostly through like Kevin Bacon's eyes and um, his best friend in it is Alec Baldwin um, and 
I don't know. Not a lot to say about it. It was I mean it's more of an adult comedy than it is these teen comedies that we fell in love with so much, but yeah. She's uh she's, she's having a baby. Yep, there we go. Next one is is probably the first I don't I never even heard of this one. Nate and Hayes. Nate and Hayes. Yeah, what, what was the plot? What was, it was, was a swat. It was a swashbuckling Tom movie, <laughs> and it had uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Miles O'Keefe in it. Huh? Was it what movie? It was like a swash. Okay, Did the film tells the story of missionary Nate Williamson <clears throat> taken to an island mission with his fiance Sophie. Their ship is captained by William Bully Hayes, who also takes a liking liking to Sophie. When Sophie is kidnapped by slave trader Ben Peace, Nate teams with Hayes in order to find her. The two men enjoy a friendly rivalry for Sophie's affections, and she is to some extent torn between them, though committed to Nate. That seems like a drama to me. That's why I didn't see the movie. Because oh, it sounds extremely stupid. Yeah, it was released in 1983, and uh, it's, it was made in New Zealand. So I don't know... Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, like John Hughes. It says here he rewrote the script. Whatever rewriting the script means, like do you throw the old one out and start over and call it Sixteen Candles? I don't know, <laughs> but it sounds a lot better than this. Jeez. So I, I guess you got to break a few eggs to make a cake. So Nathan Hayes, and then the last, oh, not the last one, two more left. National Lampoon's Class Reunion. Yeah, that I mean, there's the the whole class of. National Lamp, uh, Lampoon movies, and of the ones, you know, like Vacation, uh, Christmas Vacation, this mm-hmm. one, Class Reunion, yeah. Yeah. I, it, I, got, I ain't got much. came no. out in 1982, so basically the plot is uh, Lizzie Borden High School. <laughs> class Lizzie Borden class High of School. 1972 nice. is getting ready to go through the motions at their 10-year reunion when a deranged alumnus named Walter Baylor who is driven insane by a horrible, sadistic senior year prank, escapes from the mental institution, decides to crash the party at the high school reunion. Guests disappear and are found dead. The other alumni, including the high-class snooty yacht salesman Bob Spinnaker, Class T's Bunny Packard, and the Class Zero Gary Nash, spring into action as they try to uncover the culprit and end put an end to the nightmare that has become their class reunion. So hmm. believe it or not, that is a comedy. I'll be. And, and who who was uh, in that one? Um, I didn't hear what you said. Star-studded cast. Star studded Garrett Graham. Yeah. Fred McCarran. Hmm. Miriam Flynn. Love it. Stephen First. He's the guy from uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Oh yeah. Singing at a can, right? The blind oh, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, let's see, Shelley Smith, Michael Lerner. I think she was I a know. mom on Little Michael House on the Prairie. Yeah. Michael and uh, and Chuck Berry, <laughs> Chuck got in there. Chuck Berry's in it. So okay. I, yeah, right. that's uh, again. That's why I didn't see that one. Yeah. Riveting, yeah, riveting. Sounds kind of dumb. And uh, the last one that did not make the top ten was some kind of wonderful. Yeah. Now I actually saw this one. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, good. I saw Uncle Buck too, and she's having a baby. But um, this was uh, John Hughes's last. Uh, attempt at making a, a teen high school yeah. comedy drama whatever um, it starred Eric Stoltz Leah Thompson and Mary Stuart Masterson so basically uh, Eric Stoltz falls in love with Amanda Jones played by Leah Thompson and uh, she's uh, neither one of them are rich 
but Leah's really pretty, so she's hanging with all the rich people because she's so pretty. Leah's pretty. And so um, Eric Stoltz takes his college money and spends it all on this date, this elaborate date. Because she's some kind of wonderful. Because she is some kind of wonderful. There it is. But in the end of the movie, um, he ends up with his friend. What? Yeah. There's a twist and, at the end. A twist. And, and a twist you kind of saw coming the whole movie. Yeah. It finally happens. And uh, the movie poster, was she a drummer? She was a drummer. Okay. Yeah. The The, the soundtrack wasn't bad. Um, in the context of the movie, it was pretty good. But when, like when you listen to it like as a soundtrack... It's not that good. Not very good. Like the song Amanda Jones is a cover of the Rolling Stones song. Um, it was pretty good. But beyond that, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's, I, I remember seeing it at the theater when it came out. Uh, and that was largely because of, I was a fan of the other movies. So I go to see this thing and go, oh, it's uh, not so good. So that is it for those outside the top ten. So what we're going to do now... Uh, we're going to go through our list and we're going to start at number 10. Number 10. Our number 10 movie is not one of the typical John Hughes movies you would think of when you're thinking of John Hughes movies. We think of all the teen movies mostly. We talked about some a few minutes ago that aren't that. But uh, this is one... Guys, you're going to have to help me out here. I've never seen The Great Outdoors. Wow, Randy. Um, I said Randy. I'm just kidding. Yeah. You've never seen The Great Outdoors? I um, have not. So talk to me. Uh, good. It's good. What, am I, what have I missed? John, <coughs> John Candy. John uh, Candy and Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. John Candy takes his family to a lake uh, for vacation. They get a cabin. And his brother-in-law, which is played by Dan Aykroyd, Roman is his name, uh, invites himself and shows up with him and his wife and two little creepy girls. Annette Benning is his wife. Annette Benning. And uh, just invites himself and they show up at the cabin and then... Let the shenanigans begin. Exactly. It's It's like a contest almost between the two of them. I mean, it's just a little... Yeah, Roman is supposedly has money. He says supposedly, like that's a word. (laughs) You're good. I said supposedly. (laughs) Oh, yeah, okay, of course you did. Thanks, John. Has money, and Uh so he's spending big. uh, They rent a boat for the lake, and he gets a jet boat, and John Candy is going to ski. Oh, wow. Jen in and of itself sounds funny to me. Yeah. John Candy, they're yelling, let's go, let's go. John Candy's like this, you know, putting his hand up like, you know, hold on. Well, they took that as... Take off. Go. And so he's on the dock with the skis, and he guns that boat, and they take off. It's the rant. Oh. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. It, it's it's just a hilarity. It's funny. The, 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 it's it's a lot of physical humor. Yes. I mean, there's the scene where the, the bear uh, kicks in the door, and John Candy was at the door, and... This like eight hundred pound grizzly bear just jumps on this door and it's just flattening out John Candy. That is that's the scene I think of every time I think of it. Yeah, and, and the bear is bald. It has a bald spot. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, because years before it appeared and was shot by someone and it blew all the hair off the top of its head. 
And so, yeah. like, who thinks of that? I don't know. Let's like, give the bear a bald spot. What's what's the twist at the end of the movie, John? Uh, the twist is is the only reason Roman showed up was with his family is because he was going to ask John Candy's character, and I can't remember his name. Sorry, going to Chet ask Ripley. him. Yes, yeah. going to ask him to invest in a company. Pretty much, uh, Roman Dan Aykroyd's character is broke. His wife doesn't dun, dun, know dun. it. So. Oh. Good little flick. Yes. It, it, but, but funny. Uh, I think it's one of the funnier ones that uh, Dan Aykroyd's. I mean, it's just, it's funny. They Those two together are uh, hilarious. They they work well off each other. Um, funny, funny show. Nice. And, and, of course, they, they go into the restaurant there, and there's a large steak called the... Oh, old yeah. 76er or something. It's a very large steak. The old 96er. The old 96er. Yeah, thank 98 you. pound, 98 yes. six ounce. ounce steak. And no one has ever finished it off, but if you do, your right. meal is free or something like that. And of course, John Candy, you know, breaks out into the meat sweats at one point. <laughs> but <laughs> he does finish. He does finish the steak. So wow. A lot of. Seeing fat guys eat meat. Yeah. I mean, that's... that's <laughs> there's nothing much, like there's it. There's nothing like it. And that's why it's number 10. So. That's right. So, uh, that came out in 1988. Uh, budgeted at $24 million. It brought in $43.4 million. So Call that a win. Nice little $20 million uh, profit there. So, yes, uh, number 10 was, in fact, The Great Outdoors. Number 9. We decided number nine should be Mr. Mom, starring Batman. Batman as Mr. Mom. I like it. Yes. Michael. <laughs> Val Kilmer. Ah, Val Kilmer. George Clooney. Yes. <laughs> Michael Keaton stars as a guy that loses his job uh, during the 1980s recession. Uh, he, was, he worked for, for Ford Motor Company. He lost his job, and uh, his wife, Carolyn, who's been a housewife for years, finally puts her college education to work and starts working at an advertising agency. Meanwhile, our hero is uh, at home taking care of the kids and whatnot. Yeah, and and I was mentioning earlier, like, the the premise of this movie um, is funny in in 1980, what was it called? 83? 1983, yes. But, like, this and and a couple other of John Hughes' movies um, wouldn't maybe be, what's the term, like, politically correct or uh, would be frowned upon right now. I mean, because back then... stereotypes. Yeah, because back then it was like, you know, the men worked and the women most likely stayed at home and, and took care of the house. And so for... For him to lose his job and for her to go out and work and him to stay home and do all the domesticated things, well, that's just crazy talk. That's outlandish. That, that's so silly. We'll make a funny movie about it. Mm-hmm. But but in today's world, you that's you don't say things like that. That's no. that's and, not even thought of today. I mean, and if you did, you would have to. It would have to be like a period piece. Like you would have to do a movie today Back based in, in the eighties or the seventies right. or, or whatever, right. where you know, so that people know that it's sort of tongue in cheek. Yeah, you can't do it now. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, most women do work and, and make more money than the guys and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So it's not, uh, yeah, but but this was such a yeah a very, uh, and they made it like he didn't know how to raise children either. So when he comes home and tries to do this. 
Oh, it's he, almost like he he has no idea what to do. Oh yeah, and he doesn't. <laughs> he has to learn on the job. Yeah, and, and he's and, and thing is, he they go like how he's jealous when she's with uh, she's with her her boss and they're doing stuff. He gets jealous. She gets jealous of, of the neighbor ladies coming over and befriending him, which is yeah. kind of uh, funny. It is funny. One of my one of my favorite lines that I, I quote all the time is is he says. Uh, when they says about two twenty, two twenty one, whatever it takes. They say, we talk about electric. What is oh, it? Two twenty. Two twenty. Two twenty one. Whatever it takes. My my, <laughs> my favorite line from the movie was "Want a beer? Six in the morning. Scotch." <laughs> so yeah, that's a good one. So yeah, uh, great movie. Um, I need to go back and watch this one again because I need to get refreshed on it. But I do remember liking it. And it always shows up as my suggested movies to watch. I'm like, you know, I gotta watch that one. So it did uh, forty or sixty-four million dollars at the box office back How in much? How much? sixty-four point eight million dollars back in 1983, summer of '83. So um, great movie, uh, another John Hughes movie, and we're climbing right up the list. Number eight. Number eight is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Uh, the starring John Candy again and Steve Martin, that wild and crazy guy. Oh, dude, funny, 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 funny movie. Yes. So the plot of the movie, uh, Steve Martin starts as a high-strung marketing executive and Dale Griffith is a good-hearted but annoying shower ring salesman. Shower ring salesman. <laughs> now, can you imagine sitting around in the room writing this movie going, what kind of job what can career? we give this well, guy? And the thing is, is that was, if you read about it, the screenplay was written in three days. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Pretty and, amazing, and most John. And most of John Hughes' films were written four to five Days. Oh, yes. really? Yeah. Oh, my. I heard Ferris Bueller was written in like a day. Really? Yeah. Insane. Insane. Six uh, days. Six days for Ferris Bueller? Yeah. Wow. John, you're just on it, Sorry. man. <laughs> like, we asked John to do homework, and he did. Right. Wow. Who would have thought? Not me. Mm. Uh, so these guys share a three-day odyssey of misadventures trying to get Neil home to Chicago in time for Thanksgiving with his family. The film... Actually received critical acclaim with many critics praising it, praising it for Hughes branching out from teen comedies. <clears throat> so this was in 1987. Um, it did 49.5 million dollars at the box office. What do you guys got? Well, it, the uh, the movie was an R-rated movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know why? Yes, for one reason, and that was because. In a matter of one minute in a scene, Steve Martin drops the F-bomb. 17 times. 17 times. Uh, I remember that. Yeah. At the car rental, car rental estate. <laughs> and that was the only reason it was a rated R film. Yeah, I mean, could that's the only scene, it's the only thing that took it from a PG ring to an R rating was that one scene. Wow, that's nuts. And, you know, you can, you can do a... A PG well back then you could I think it's PG thirteen still you can drop one f bomb in the movie and keep it as a PG thirteen if you drop two of them it's a rated R hmm. so if he did seventeen that really pushed him way over the top 
So yeah, it's kind of crazy. Once again, Kevin Bacon had a role in this movie as a taxi driver. He did. There, there was no. He had no dialogue, right? Yeah. Uh, he had no dialogue. Yeah. Just he had some 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 uh, glances and some weird. Yeah, I was just. And so I mean, this is this, this is funny because it's like he called on his buddies, kind of like very Adam Sandlerish. Yeah. Like um, Edie McClurg. Play oh, the car rental agent. She, she was, was the, Ferris Bueller uh, day off. She was the principal's assistant. Yeah, exactly. Um, Lyman Ward. Lyman Ward. He was in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. He was Ferris's father. Yes. John, look at yeah. you, man. And Ben Stein was also in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yes. And in Ferris Bueller's day off. Bueller, Bueller. And Michael McKean, otherwise known as Lenny, Lenny of right. Lenny and Squiggy fame yeah, from Laverne right. and Shirley, yeah. <laughs> played a state trooper. So lots of cameos in this movie. Lots of uh... a lot of good quotes come out of this movie. <clears throat> uh-huh. we were, My uh... favorites when they're laying in bed together. Love it. Talking about the fluffy pillows. Oh, Those it. aren't pillows. <laughs> you just see Steve Martin's reaction. They're spooning. That totally reminds me of Chris Farley and David Spade. When you watch that scene, yeah. that reminds me of Farley and Spade. They're, they're banter back and forth. And, oh so, so share with us, Matt. You were you saw an article about a remake, possibly? Yeah, I, I saw somebody uh, Kevin Hart saying that he thought planes, trains, and automobiles should be uh, be remade with Kevin Hart and Will Smith. What do you think of that? I think that'd be hilarious. I think that'd be funny. And and I assume Kevin Hart would play Dell. The John Candy character? Yeah. <laughs> we would hope. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay. I could see Will being the the, the, the more the straight guy in yeah. that relationship. Yeah, Kevin is far from being the straight guy. He is stupid yeah, he's funny. He's way over the top. He's Did you see that movie with him and The Rock? Uh, Jumanji, which one? No, no. Oh, oh, well, well that's right. I forgot about the me and Jumanji uh, together. Was it Minority Report? No, that no. was Tom Cruise. Oh yeah, uh, I can't remember the movie. <laughs> um, yes, I did. I think The Rock was a. He was an in FBI. high school. He was a big fat big, double large Central Intelligence. Central there Intelligence. There you go. Yes, Why yes, couldn't yes, I get yes. that? I've seen it like five times. <laughs> so that I, I think Kevin Hart is hilarious. He is funny. He's absolutely. And if you look at, if you go look at any of. John Hughes's films, and you look at the uh, some of the facts about the movies, who they tried to get to play these roles, and then they ended up with Steve Martin and John Candy. Uh-huh. He had tried to get John Travolta to play Dell's character, huh. and Tom Hanks to play the role. What? Yeah. See, after you see the movie, yeah, I, I don't like, know I how that would work. Else doing yeah, that. I don't know how that would work. And Tom Hanks couldn't because he was busy filming Big, which wow. which is kind of a big deal. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. So he, we talked about this a little bit earlier too. There's not enough good buddy films anymore. Right. I mean, there's yeah. not enough films. Period. Anymore. I mean, everything's yeah, on Netflix. And, there's nothing. Yeah, right. Yeah, there's nothing. <clears throat> But the, the the whole buddy genre, I mean, like you know, I, I referenced uh, David Spade, Chris Farley. You know, they made multiple movies together. Mm-hmm. Adam Sandler, he he has some his regular guys or yeah, his his, his, his clan. His, his buds. whole movies are pretty much buddy movies, but not like just two guys. You know, yeah, uh, like but, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, and then we talked about Abbott Costello, Abbott Costello and Laurel and Hardy. Hardy. Yeah. There's always been buddy movies, but but now it's not really there. 
Yeah, I kind of like it when when two two guys find identity together and they just you know repurpose it and reformat it. Oh, but yeah. you got the same thing with all buddy movies. Mm-hmm. You've got the guy that plays the dunderhead guy that you know straight yeah the straight and then guy. the other guy it's that's how all the buddy movies are mm-hmm. yep. yeah yeah you usually have the straight and the over the top and then that's the exactly the the don knots and uh don knots and uh, andy, andy griffith, griffith thing I mean, yeah. that's the whole have you guys seen tag Yes, what a great movie. That's a great buddy movie. That is. There's like four, a group of four or five dudes, but, yeah. but you know, they all grew up together and, you yeah. know, good chemistry. So, all right. Uh, anything else on planes, trains, and automobiles, gentlemen? Uh, I'm good with that. No, I think we're okay. All right. So, our, um, our number uh, eight movie was uh, planes, trains, and, of course, automobiles. Number seven. Our number seven movie, National Lampoon's Vacation. Love it, love it, love it. Who does not love Clark Griswold? I'm a fan. I am a fan. Me too. Absolutely. So the um, the gist of this movie, Clark is the everyman family man, and he wants to take his family on a good old-fashioned cross-country family vacation to Wally Wally World. World. And we're not talking Walmart either. No way. We're We're talking talking about the big moose. The moose, baby. um, And a lot of things happen along the way, including a a dead ant. Yes. Uh, Not not like the Pink Panther dead ant, but an an aunt. A dead aunt. A dead aunt. um, Love that scene, man. (laughs) She's on top of the car. On on the rocking chair. Yeah. That's good stuff. Beverly D'Angelo, a was she from Bexley? She's from Columbus. Her Columbus? her dad was John D'Angelo, who was the station manager at Channel Ten for several years. She went to Central when it was a yeah high Central School, High School. Yeah. That's where my dad went. They might have went there at the same time. Hmm. Maybe they went to like a Channel Ten. I think my dad dated her. I think your dad did date. <laughs> I think he did. Let's see. How old is she here? So she's born in 1951. So she's a couple years younger, but she might have had some classes with my mom. Probably. Well, yeah, who knows? Know. Who knows? Maybe your mom dated her. You think? No, not Patty. No. No. If you're listening, Patty. She likes dudes. This is John Mayo. I just <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she might be be short, but man, can she fight? Yeah. Like she used to beat the crap out really? of me and my brother. Oh I my see. gosh! Like when she would spank us for one. It wouldn't just be like, it would be a belt, mm-hmm. and she had terrible aim. So it not only would it hit your butt, it hit the top of your thigh, nice. the small of your back, maybe your shoulders. It was crazy. So maybe if like Beverly D'Angelo had friended my mom back then and kind of took her under her wing a little I bit, maybe she might not have had the anger maybe issues that nice she had. <laughs> uh, this is uh, big. we got Anthony Michael Halls in this one. Uh, loved it. I mean, this is—he's just one of the perennial '80s actors. Uh, is, he's one of our favorites. He's one Let's of our be favorites. honest. We're going to talk about him a lot. Yeah. Uh, the is the, the young kid phase of his life. Love it. I, I don't remember. Well, I remember. I just don't remember seeing her anything else. But the girl that played the Audrey, Audrey, Dana Barron. sister. 
Yeah, the thing that always cracked me up about the vacation Vaca- movies yeah. is Rusty and Audrey were always different characters. They made like four or five oh, yeah. movies. And they're different. And there is always different people playing Rusty and Audrey. But they acknowledge it. They, 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 they kind of like, you look different today or just something yeah, silly. Yeah, they allude to it in each movie, which is the best. Though. Yes. So I, I, for my money, Rusty was, or Anthony Michael Hall was the best Rusty. Yeah. Like Johnny Galecki did a good job in Christmas Vacation. Right. So I would take I would take him I would take Anthony Michael Hall with uh what's her name? Um it's escaped me now. In Christmas Jul- Vacation. Juliet Juliet Lewis. Lewis. Yes. Yes. I would take those two together yeah, as great. my best Rusty Super. and Audrey. Yeah, that's 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 tough. I, I, I like I like this Rusty as well. So. Uh favorite scene for me from the movie there were two and it was the dog that was left tied to the bumper oh do you remember that one yeah and the cop comes up and pulls him over yes oh that's good stuff and uh who can forget the pool scene with Christy Brinkley oh see you know that's what that's just something they do in every movie is they'll have a hot chick that he has to fight off his urges you know they uh they did try to get her to do that as a nude scene Really? Yeah, and she wouldn't do it, so that's why she did it in her underwear. Hmm. Huh. They nice. tried to, yeah. The, so got... we first see her on the road. She's in the convertible. Yes. Yeah. And then again later at the hotel. This is that's, crazy. Yeah, that's the life. This, this is crazy. crazy. This, this is crazy. crazy. This is crazy. Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, how many times have we said that getting ready to hop into a pool? Uh, this is right. crazy. This is crazy. <laughs> I still do. I think you. every single time yeah. I still do that. This is crazy. Oh. Harold Ramis was the uh, director of this one. Yes. One of the uh, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Yeah. yeah. Another cool. uh, National Lampoon guy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, these guys all kind of... That, that would have been like a cool group of guys to oh, hang around you, with. Oh, like, man. there's so many branches that branched off from, like, National Lampoon magazine. Mm-hmm. And uh, have, you, have you seen the movie about the founder of the magazine? Um, I... You guys talk about this movie stone, I'll find it. Real no, fast. but do you speaking of the National Lampoon magazines, those were racy magazines, were they not? They they were they because were sort of like Mad Magazine or absolute, Cracked or something, well, but, but but a little more mature audience. Yeah. More adult driven. Because yeah. uh, you know, I'm telling myself here, but in Western Mall there was a bookstore. I cannot remember the name of it. B. Dalton? Yeah, there yeah. you go. And they had a magazine rack, and you know, on the top shelf is where they had, you know, easily accessible magazines for, you know, and one of them was National Lampoon, and I remember pulling down one, pulling off the rack and looking at it, going, "Wow!" Would they, would, would they have like, is, would they have like some kind of a this is the best or? store ever? <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be nudity though, right? It would be what, but like, there was. Yeah, the, the, like it wasn't like Playboy, but you'd see an occasional yeah. nudie picture. Or yeah, whatever. you would. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So the the movie is called A Futile and Stupid Gesture. So it's on Netflix. Didn't, didn't so it. basically, it's about Doug Kenny, one of the founders of uh, National Lampoon magazine, and what they did to like finally get it in publication circulation, going into the movie. So do you remember in? Uh, Animal House, the guy in the glasses, the nerdy guy, says, What are we supposed to do, you moron? So, that's him. Oh, wow. So, uh, they did a movie about his brief life. He died at 33. Wow. Um, but, um, 
It's a check that one out because it's it's really What's good. It it's called um, yeah, a futile and stupid gesture. A futile and stupid. Yeah, um, actually, Will Forte plays the the role, oh, okay. so he does a very good job. So yeah, check that one out. So yeah, uh, back to um, vacation. Dude, I, I love the the roller coasters when they get to the park. I mean, that to me that's just hilarious because. You, you know, Chevy had just drove these dude, uh, drove these dudes all across the country, and it's and they were closed. closed. And yep. it's just, I mean, because there's an obvious play on Walt Disney World. Yes, you know, it's like an, it's a not said but understood. Yeah, and uh, and and just to watch him just be livid. You know, he was so excited. Hey, we're early. We you know, easy place to park, and he doesn't realize until he gets up there that he can't get in there. And just, you know, being, like you say, the eternal family guy, and he's just, you know, he let his family down, and he panicked, and he just frustrated, and he just... And who's the one guy, John? the one employee Candy. of the park that he's going to take his anger out on? It was John, John Candy. Candy. Yes. Dude, when he, it was just, that was the best, man. That yeah, was. was. Uh, when they were on that roller coaster, he's like, uh, sometimes I puke. <laughs> yeah, and that, that short... Period. John Candy was in that movie. A million dollars for his part. Are he you got, kidding me? He got paid a oh million. wow! Yeah. Wow! And they said that they had to ride that roller coaster so many times they were getting sick actually because <laughs> they, you know, filming it. That the cast members were getting sick. Wow! Oh yeah, dude, that was so. I mean, such a funny, funny. So movie. he got a million dollars for that. Mm-hmm. So check this out: the budget for the movie was fifteen million dollars. Oh wow! So a million of it went to John Candy, uh-huh. but they made sixty-one. Hmm. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. So it was actually adapted from a um, a short story that John Hughes made called Vacation Fifty Eight. Yeah, Vacation Fifty Eight, right? So I'm thinking, and I don't know much about that, but I'm guessing very similar story taking place in 1958 which would be kind of funny too right right so i i i, no, I know no, a couple years ago they did a vacation they did reboot this. well they remade this movie uh, almost line by line yeah with ed helms no it's not it's not a remake i mean it's no it's it's like they a, go to wall they went to um, was, he was Ed Helms plays Rusty. Ed Helms, a grown up Rusty. Ah, uh, that's right. And oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's not. And, and it was kind of okay. That's right. He it's did like, a trip. Did he want to take them on the trip that his father he took? He kind of want to recreate the trip that his dad. He took has become on. his father. Yes. So he's got all of yeah. Clark's characteristics right. and right. wants to do this family shindig, which I kind of like the premise. Yeah. Yeah. And I love Ed Helms. I, I mean, I. Love I don't him. think the movie did. I it don't didn't think do it. Well, thank you. No, it didn't. Uh, I I think I ended up giving it on Blu-ray, probably. Is it up there? Yeah, it's up there. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I yeah, do. yeah you're I right. got it. Um, yeah, it it was they, very they disappointing. Even, they even had like the 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 chick, you know, like the the, the dr- it, chick driving beside him. Yeah, I mean, and his great. wasn't his wife in the movie Christina Applegate? Yes, Applegate in the yes, movie? Yeah. that's good. Yep. Yeah. Which she's good in everything. So and even though I like him a lot too, they they weren't enough to save this movie. No, no. So, yeah, would have been good. But vacation, great, great movie, great, great movie. Yes, absolutely. Go. Had that been the first vacation movie, if that's the first time we were introduced to that type of plot, it might have. But we were 
You talk about the we Ed Helms version. The right. Ed Helms version. Oh, yeah. But we were, I don't say ruined, but. We're, we're ingrained with Oh, Chevy yeah. Chase you, you're not going to do any better. Yeah. Something you need right to there. leave alone because it's just mm-hmm. too good. Yeah. Yeah. Let it go. I'm with you. Now, it, it's like if, if you are, your first experience at a hamburger is like a backyard burger that, you know, the big, thick, juicy ones that are awesome, or you've got like a Burger King burger. It's like they're both technically hamburgers, but mm-hmm. nothing yeah. beats a good backyard burger. There you go. So I don't know why they're so obsessed on doing remakes of these movies or part two, part three, part four. You know what? I, I, I've thought about that a lot, too. And, and I think a lot of that is, I think, it well, for one, it's a name brand, so they can figure they can get something out of that. But I, I'd like to give them the benefit of the doubt, thinking like, they think they can recreate that magic mm-hmm. and and they just in not many cases can they right yeah. i think sequels in general like that i mean it, we reference that many times like the first one's amazing mm-hmm. second one might be i mean like some pull it off because the story develops very few like, like the rockies you know godfather it, it, it one and two yeah. Two was even better than one. Right. Kind of so, so, I mean, see, Friday the Thirteenth. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, well, like, that's a good point. Though. I mean, like sometimes it's just you're you're riding off the money of the first one, and you're just trying to you know, yeah. it's yeah. like a cash cow. Yep. Maybe one day they'll start making good remakes. There it is. I'd maybe. love to see it. Or you know maybe just a a continuation of an old story. Well, one of the movies that we're going to talk about, and I won't get into, but. I would have loved to seen a part two of this, and I'll tell you which one. Hmm, I think I know which one. Yeah, maybe we'll find out. Mm-hmm. Number six. Now we're cooking. Number six. Sixteen candles. Good stuff. Oh, oh, this Good. movie is great. This is screams John Hughes, and it like does. so when you think of John Hughes films in the '80s, this one of the first ones that pops into your mind because it's just, it's so good. Yes, it's so good. It this is the first of the series of teen movies that he did, right? And man, did he ever nail it! And this is the first one he was the actual director. director. Yes, yep. exactly. Yeah, he, he had written some of the other films, but yeah, now he was behind the director's yep. chair yeah. or on the director's chair behind the camera, whatever. Um, so Anthony Michael Hall, Molly Ringwald, Mr. Mrs. 80s. That's right. That gone. Okay, so, before you go any further, yeah, not, not now, back then. Molly Ringwald, crush or no crush? Oh, of course, a crush. Oh, yeah. She what, was, what was it? The red hair did it for me. I, what was you? It was a smile. Mm, it was the pouty lips. <laughs> Those pouty lips. Boy, oh, boy. When she's putting on, like, the lipstick, lipstick. on the breakfast yeah, club. Yeah, just insane. about to say. No. Yeah. Oh. So th- this was her first feature film. Yeah. And um, so, so here's the plot, in case you lived underneath a rock. In the 80s, you, you're listening to this for the very first time, discovering what the 80s were all about. Molly Ringwald, uh, she turned 16 years old, mm-hmm. and it happens to ha- it's all taking place on the same weekend that her sister's getting married. Mm-hmm. So, the um, her family completely forgets about her birthday. Travesty. She's got two sets of grandparents there, her mom, dad, two sisters, brother. Whole family. Nobody thinks about it. 
Yeah. And it's completely going by. Meanwhile, she's got a crush on the cute kid at school, the jock, That's Jake nice. Ryan, uh, who we'll see later in Vision Quest. Um, he uh, he is uh, he's the crush, and meanwhile she is being pursued by the always romantic, studly do right mm-hmm. Anthony Michael Hall. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. See, this is the part where I kind of leave it hanging there for you guys to discuss. And uh, John Hughes, as we said before, specifically wrote this movie for Molly Ringwald. Yeah, yes. no, no said he had a headshot of her over his desk or behind his desk and wrote it for her. He also wrote the part specifically for Anthony Michael Hall as well. Hmm. So, how, how did we get Long Duck Dong? He was. So Long Duck Dong was a foreign exchange student. <laughs> yeah, he's staying with one of the grandparents, and so basically they had him there for slave labor. Yeah, like he much. he would always wash the car and mow the grass. What's happening? Hot stuff. Oh my gosh! And yes, every time the donger gets drunk. Yes, yeah. and they played the gong every time. Yeah, but they said his <laughs> and, name or a crazy Chinese kid. And, and again, gong. this goes back to the John Hughes the, the, the stereotypes stereotypes <laughs> yeah. that would not fly today. Nope. If you're making this movie today, you're not doing these nope. kind of things. We, but back then, sadly to say, it was hilarious. Yep, and I don't know if we're allowed to say it's still. Is it still funny? Am I allowed to say? It's hilarious. <clears throat> okay. You can say it. It was still funny. Yeah. So, so many. This movie kind of changed the way that these type films were made because you know, growing up, uh, growing up, throughout the course of you know like modern movie history, we had lots of movies, teen movies, but the way that these were all approached. Uh, the the subtleties throughout the movie, um, you can kind of like take a lighthearted look at, you know, romance and love and you know heartbreak, and you can do it through a lens of a teenager. It's it's kind of it it feels like it was written by a teenager for teenagers. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite scenes is the um, the the kazoo band on the bus. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> Whenever I I hear that, it just cracks me up. Hey! So it's just crazy stuff like that that just cracks me up in his movies, like Love it. particularly in this one. I, I like. Uh, <laughs> we're we're all struggling here tonight, guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do like uh, Anthony Michael Hall is probably my favorite in this movie because he's just uh, he is a straight, and he's a little bit younger than some of the other. Movies, but he's just mm-hmm. the nerd, and he's and it's it's funny because in in the nerd world, the nerd circle, he's probably like the cooler ones of the. He's nerds. like the king. He's the king of the nerds, oh, yeah. but he's still a nerd, and yet she's like on a whole another level, you know. And and uh, it, it just to see him to try to, uh, you know, to win her over, to move up. Yeah, I mean, he he has no chance, but he's trying to impress her and, and get into her uh, her realm. And it's just just watching that the whole we referenced the the underwear scene. I mean, oh man, that was hilarious. So basically, if you don't know what the underwear scene is, it's uh, she. He goes to Molly Ringwald. He's like, "Hey, can I borrow your underpanties for for ten, for ten minutes?" 
and so he goes to the guy's bathroom with all the other nerds. Remember, he's the king of the nerds. Yes. And, you know, he's never bagged a babe. Right. So he goes in, he pulls up these yellow with red polka dot underwear, and the kid guys are like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> it, was just, it was hilarious. Oh, it's hilarious. So, yeah, I, I could watch that movie. Like, I could quote. I would drive you nuts watching that movie, just quoting the entire thing the entire time. Love it, love it, love but, it. But uh, so many... Um, so many good songs in this movie. Oh, like, yeah. Like, the soundtrack to this movie is one of the best 80s movie soundtracks. Uh, commercially, it only had, like, nine or ten songs on it. There's, like, 30 songs in this movie. Oh, wow. Because there's music playing throughout the thing. One of my favorite scenes is when Anthony Michael Hall is trapped inside the glass coffee table. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. He's like, ah! Like, Jake! Yeah. And let me out. So, yeah. Very good. All right. Anything else on Sixteen Candles? What's we can talk about this one all day. Well, what's the uh, the ending? Is there a wrap up? A feel good at the end of, of the movie? Course, of course, of course. And we kind of reference this off mic a little bit, but that's one of the things about the John Hughes films are there's there's some craziness, there's some shenanigans, a little anarchy, but then there's this good the feel good moment, a turning point at the end. And uh, he, he always wraps it up real nice at the end, from the great outdoors to the ones we mentioned earlier to to the, what's what's the what's the wrap up in this one? So basically, Samantha gets together with the crush Jake Ryan, and happens after the sister's wedding. Uh, finally, that that she has this this tender moment with her father, who admits he blew it on her birthday. So she gets together with Jake. Uh, he gets her birthday cake. Anthony Michael Hall finally bags a babe, but it's not Molly. It's another girl. <laughs> um, so everybody, everybody gets closure on these characters. So it was uh, very good. It was very good. Uh, there was supposed to be a sequel to this movie. There was. Yes. Seventeen Candles. Uh, possibly. It would have been two years later. So it would have been eighteen. 18. Yeah. Uh-huh. 18. So it was. It was supposed to be like going back to two thousand three. One was written, and then they had got. Molly Ringwald to produce it. Oh wow! But uh, things just kept happening, and never happened, never happened. And then John Hughes really wasn't interested in being involved, and she didn't feel right about doing it, so it was never made. Oh wow! So, what would happen in a sequel to that movie? It's a good question. I like do her and Jake like get married? Does she? Does Anthony Michael Hall like? We know he hits puberty like right after. I think that's another one that needs to be left alone. Yeah, it would. I mean, what they would probably done is if you if you waited that long, she would probably come back as a teacher at that school. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and there would be another Molly like kind of a girl going through the same kind of a thing. Maybe she gives her good sound advice and so forth. Yeah, you're right, John. I I I would leave it alone. Yeah, I would hate to see them try to remake this thing because right. they wouldn't do it. They couldn't do it. No, I mean it just it wouldn't work. The only the only and I mean the only good remake that we've seen in our lifetime is Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai. I love Cobra Kai. There you go. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay let's move on. So yeah, um, uh, on the credits, Anthony Michael Hall. The he geek. had a name, the geek. Like yeah. it's all his credit is the geek. But his name was his, his name was Ted. 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 Yeah, like, it was Ted. They called him Farmer Ted because he was a freshman. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, at their school freshmen were called farmers. But on or the billing, he was called 
the geek. The like geek. Anthony the Marco geek. Yeah. yeah that's fun. Well, maybe the Ted, like, you know, Farmer Bill, Farmer John, Farmer Ted. Maybe Which Ted the song Farmer. Farmer John by the premieres is actually in the movie. There it is. Great song. <laughs> Great song. All right. Good stuff. So, Great movie. We love 16 Candles. Love it. Number five. You're here. What happened? Well, I uh, guess you're looking at it. <laughs> oh, wow. You look great. Thanks. You, uh, you look stunning, really. Just, it's, it's, it's breathtaking. <laughs> no, and listen, I want you to know, despite my appearance at this function, I remain now and will always be a duck man. Our number five movie... Pretty in Pink. Oh, come on, man. Starring Molly Ringwald, James Spader, mm, Andrew Cryer. McCarthy, John yeah. Cryer. Great movie. This came out in 1986, which would be my junior year. Perfect timing to see this movie, man. Just, ah. Uh. Ducky's character kind of reminded me of you, Matt. Well, and I, back and in those I, days, I ain't gonna lie. I mean, I, you, I, 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 I kind of had the style. I, I, I see that. I yeah. say it very proudly. I, I love me some Ducky. I mean, I, I would, I would not uh, hesitate at that compare. I try to, je- I, I try to dress like him at times. I'm sure. Kind of acted like him a little bit. The bolo tie. I rocked the bolo tie. And we because... kind of wondered if you were gay back then too. Thank you yeah, very much so. for that. Thank you very much for that. Uh, the uh, movie. The yes. title of the movie. Yes. You know what it was named for? The song Pretty in Pink. Yeah. By Psychedelic, Psychedelic Furs. That's right. And did you know the version in the movie is different than the original version? Oh, is it really? Yeah, there's two different versions. Actually, I like the movie version better because they have more emphasis on that saxophone. Which was Molly Ringwald's favorite band at the time and asked John Hughes to write a film based on that song. Yes. Which, I'm glad you brought that up because we talked earlier about Molly Ringwald being John Hughes's Muse. Muse. Yes. yes. She also assisted a lot with the soundtracks of some of his movies. Did she really? Yeah, she kind of was into a little more of a of an alternative <coughs> uh, new wave style of music. Yeah. Not the typical top 40 stuff that, you know, most teenagers were listening to. So, uh she kind of helped him out a little bit on that kind of stuff. And I know she dated Dweezil Zappa. She Frank did. Zappa's son for a mm-hmm. while. Yeah. So he was a musician himself. Yeah, so, kind of a funky, sort of like his dad, some weird stuff. So basically, 16 Candles is a story of Andy. It's a girl's name, Andy. I'm sure it's short for Andrea. It doesn't really tell us for sure. Actually, and, pretty in pink. Huh? What did I say? 16 Candles. Oh, yeah. I, I, it just. Pretty, they <laughs> all yeah, they, all, they run together. Um, pretty in pink is uh, a story of Andy. Who um, she is kind of like a an alt kid herself. Uh, I could kind of see Molly Ringwald not having to act too much in this movie. This is kind of how I how I envision her acting in real life, like sort of in the shadows a little bit, kind of observing everything, not really fitting with a popular clique. Um, and she's a, she's an art student. She wants to be a fashion designer, and her best friend is a dude named Ducky Dale. Love it. Ducky has a huge crush on Andy. Mm-hmm. But she sees him as like a little brother, friend, and she starts dating Andrew McCarthy's character, Blaine, Blaine which Blaine. is not a major appliance. No, no. <laughs> and um, got the cameos in here by Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. 
But uh, this is our first introduction, or my first introduction, he'd done movies before this, uh, to James Spader. Oh, that's right, yes. James Spader is one of our best actors. He, like, in everything he's in, he brings it up a notch. Like, he played the best jerk in this movie. Um, oh. I love the TV show that he's in now. The Blacklist. Blacklist. Oh, yeah. he's His character, without him in that show, that show, that show would, no. it would be awesome. Oh, yeah. But he, I mean, he made that show. So that was, uh, yeah, I, I love his character. Um, the soundtrack to this movie was one of my favorite 80s soundtracks. Because we mentioned Psychedelic Furs before. But you've also got Jesse Johnson, who was with the time. Um, uh, Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark did If You Leave, the big prom scene at the end of the movie. Oh. That was a, you know, that's a still one of my favorite 80s songs. Like that, well, what, that one I hear and it, it never gets old to me. What's the one he's singing in the Ducky song? He lip syncs. Uh, uh, Try a little tenderness yeah. by Otis Redding. Man, I love that. Yeah, not on the official soundtrack, but man, it should have been. That, mm. That's a good one. In uh, Excess does a great song in there called "Do What You Do." Uh, that's a good one. We we hear um, Echo and the Bunny Men, The Smiths, uh, New Order, uh, just to name a few. Um, Great, great movie. Uh, what are your What are your favorite lines in the movie? Oh man! Oh, I, you know I don't. When I'm watching the movie, I'll pull. I feel like I'm, I'm knowing every one line that's coming up. But there's to me, it's, it's not got a lot of those, you know, one liners that I'm pulling yeah. out of. Or this is crazy. This is crazy. Nothing like that. So one of my favorite scenes is uh, Ducky's walking down the hall and. He gets kind of bullied and thrown into the girls' bathroom, and there's a bunch of girls in there, and he just gets tossed on the floor. And he pick, he gets up, he just plays it off like, oh, what's what what's going on in here? It's like you've got doors, the mirrors are clean, and there's there's a, like a tampon machine in wall. Oh, well, we don't have a candy machine. What's this? We don't have a candy machine. I want somebody in here right now to yeah. explain this to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so that that was that's great, right. I forgot about that. That was great. Him trying to get into the club. Uh, Andrew Dice Clay being the bouncer, like wouldn't let him in. And he, oh, yeah. He's like, "Well, my girlfriend's in there." And he's like, "If she's a girlfriend, what are you doing out here?" <laughs> it's just stuff like that through the whole movie. Um, it, again, it wasn't like Matt said; it wasn't one of those ones that was. It's known for a lot of, you know, the the traditional lines, the things that you think of. And I think Ducky about takes every cool line in the movie. Right. He he literally stole the show. Yeah. Like when when he when he does spout off at the end, his he proclaims his his love for Molly. And yes. I mean that's just that, that's a powerful scene. I mean it, it's it's I mean he's again you, you take that st- little melodramatic. Yeah. But but little, but if you're yeah. if you're a teenager, like we look at these movies as adults. If we're a teenager looking at this movie in real time, it's like that doesn't seem so far fetched. No. Like that, that Dude, I, that's I, a legitimate I, I message him. that I yeah. feel. Yeah, I felt him, man. I really did. I mean, at that, watching it at that as a seventeen-year-old, I mean, I was digging it. I mean, yeah. I totally uh, clicked with with that, and and I was and I kind of the fact that I hung out in record stores, and I mean, it just that vibe. Oh yeah, loved that. I just love that. Yeah. They were just—they were cool folks. So, the line you're talking about at the end is that the one where he goes to Andy's like, 
he came by himself. Don't let him leave that way. Yeah. Is that the one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then Ducky gets Christy Swanson. Hello. Like, boom. She's like one of the hot 80s chicks. Oh, yeah. She was. So, she was. so that completely unrealistic, she would be interested in him. Right. But, uh, yeah. So, yeah. She was in another one of John Hughes' films, which we'll get to. Oh, yeah. I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. She played Simone Adamsley. What was the movie? We'll find out later. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of teasers. Yes, we're, we're coming up. So, any any other thoughts on Pretty in Pink? Just great uh, cast, just, great it's, soundtrack. It's probably my top. Not just John John Hughes movies. It's probably like in, in my top five. Really? Of, of all time. I love. That's I just, interesting. I, I and it's it's probably because of the Ducky influence. I, it's Could probably be. in one of my top five movies. He's your spirit animal. He's the, <laughs> duck. the duck. Number four. Just can't believe you're actually standing here in my living room, Eddie. Mm. <laughs> Never thought the day would come. Yeah, I'm excited about it too. Yeah. It's a crying shame the older kids couldn't make it. Yeah, I got the daughter in the clinic getting cured off the wild turkey. And the older boy, bless his soul, is preparing for his career. College? Carnival. You gotta be proud. Oh, yeah. Yeah, last season he was a Picture dust spreader on a Celtic world. He thinks that maybe next year he'll be guessing people's waiter barking for the yak woman. You ever see her? No. Yeah, she's got these big horns growing right out above her ear. Yeah, she's ugly as sin. But a sweet gal. Can I refill your eggnog for you? Get you something to eat? Drive you out to the middle of nowhere? Leave you for dead? No, I'm doing just fine, Clark. So, Mike Moore, we are in the Mount Rushmore of yes. top John Hughes movies. Number four. There it is. Christmas Vacation. Oh. And it's going to be that time of year, too. Yeah, and it, it has become one of those movies that people watch every year, like A Christmas Story, Miracle on 34th Street, It's a Wonderful Life. Yep. Elf. Elf. All of those movies. Christmas Vacation. Yes, all those movies, I, I've got a list, that I, and yeah. a Charlie Brown Christmas. Yeah. i I got to watch all of those Absolutely. at some point every year. I usually watch It's a Wonderful Life, uh, Christmas Eve, yeah. but Christmas Vacation, it but doesn't see, matter. Well, just, well, Christmas, it's usually a Friday night when I watch it. And I can't, honestly, I'll, I'll watch it multiple times in the season, just, just because if, if it's on, I, it's like sacrilegious to, to turn it off or to, move, to go into another, you know, if it's on. Yeah, oh, I, yeah. I gotta watch it. But I'm not. I don't. If I see it come on TV, I, I don't watch it on network TV. I, I get the DVD out and watch right. it that way. Right. I can't watch. You know, it's just. Well, what what I'll do is is I'll like if I catch it on, I'll sit, I'll watch it for a minute. Like, what part is this? Right. Yeah, you know. Oh, that's funny. But then I'll, I'm with you. I, yeah. I gotta go find it, stream it, or oh, Blu-ray or whatever. I, but this is one of my favorite favorite yes. favorite from movies. the beginning. To the end, this is a great movie. When Audrey's standing out in the snow, frozen, it's like all, she, from the waist down, it's all part of the experience. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now, now, okay, we, we talked about movies with quotes. This oh. is probably one of the most quotable movies that he has. Yes, I, I, I think, and of, half of them like we can't repeat on this podcast. Correct, but, but, but they're I, funny. I, I, I think of all his movies on on the list. And there, I mean, there's a lot of quotable lines, but this one has a chickabillion. A chickabillion? Easy. Jelly of the Month Club. Easy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a gift keeps on giving, Clark. 
I mean, it's and, and his, well, I do rant, have a list. And his rant about Mr. Shirley. Oh, Danny K. Tapdanson. Uh, I, I actually got that out, and I, I and I would pause, and I would write down every word, pause, and and I memorize his whole is, holy, where's it? Yeah, oh, <laughs> love that. Julia Louis Dreyfus when she's in there. If you want to come in here, you better break down the door. Oh, and the good. SWAT team comes plus <laughs> into the house. Yeah. Oh I, my gosh, Margo. She, Margo, how did the, how did this the carpet get wet, Todd? I don't, I don't know, know, Margo. Margo. <laughs> <laughs> Chevy up in the attic with the women's clothes, oh. crying, watching the Dude, whole movie. I, I still cannot. When he steps on those planks oh, and, wood, and they keep hitting him in the keep, face, it is still the funniest thing, man. Yeah, <laughs> back and forth, and falling off the roof like the gutter. Every, yeah, the whole struggle, the whole movie, trying to get the light. Lights to to light up. The, the little the ones cat aren't that gets electrocuted. Thanks, oh my god! The Thanks, the crunchy sir. turkey at Thanksgiving. Oh. When I watch that, I'm just I just lose it. Like Always I, I got to I got to stop and just wait to hear the yep. crunching. Oh the, uh, my goodness! Th- there was a a part that uh, when he's on his uh, sled and he had the uh, stuff that he put on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, that spray stuff. Yes, that is company. Yes, the, yeah, the cereal, he, the cereal thing. He yeah. hits the sled, and on the way down, he goes through the front of a Walmart <laughs> store. <laughs> and just before he does that, and, and and I remember watching it for some reason, it I laughed so hard at that. He had this look <coughs> on his face, and and I can't imitate it. It just struck me so funny that I, I mean that that was probably the like hardest anticipated that movie anticipated so euphoria. Funny. Oh yeah. man, uh, it oh. When he goes later, dudes, yeah. <laughs> he just takes off. It, then it ends with Eddie going, you know, bingo. bingo. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Eddie is the this, this scene stealer for this. I mean, from when oh. he first shows up, I mean, and you don't know he's coming, but he's just there. <laughs> and then, you know, during the, I think, one of the light presentations, oh, you didn't do this on our account, Clark. Yeah. And then the way he goes to, to kiss his, you know, to kiss what's her face, the, uh, Clark's wife. Yeah, he kind of leans in, like he wants to kiss her on yeah. the mouth. Oh my god, <laughs> she's trying to avoid him. Uh, when he says that they've been running on fumes since Gurney, uh huh. Um, I used to live in Gurney. Oh, did you? Did you? Yeah. Oh wow, I lived there when you. Oh, really? Is that Gurney? Oh, we done. That's Gurney. That's funny. My, on fumes. Probably my my favorite line is when Cousin Eddie says, "You're surprised to see me, Clark." My head was sewn to the carpet. I wouldn't be more surprised. <laughs> if I wake up tomorrow morning and find my head sewn to the yeah. carpet. <laughs> That's what, uh, it's just, yeah, it's just my uh, got my daughter cured from a wild turkey. You're talking about a, uh, was working on her career. What's she doing? Uh, she's the pixie dust breader uh, on yeah, the tilt tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, working on her career. And yeah. he goes, college, no. Uh, Circus. Carnival. Carnival. Yeah, car- yeah. yeah. And, and that's the way he hits those little uh, the little uh, windmill thing or whatever holiday decoration. Yeah, is. I, I could I could go scene for scene in this uh, movie. Ruby Sue getting her eyes kicked back in by the the mule. Yeah. Remember her eyes were crossed. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? Got kicked in the head. Back to normal. Oh, Who knew? I love it. I love uh, it. So we're we're gonna do a a Christmas movie episode. Uh, at some point in the future. So we're going to talk oh, about this again. Dude. Yes. This Elf, all of them. That'd be oh, fantastic. Yes. I won't do Elf. Elf is an 80s, man. It's not 80s. It's, it's like Scrooged. 
thinking. Uh, Scrooge. I don't know if we can. I don't know if we can get 80s? a whole episode out of good eighties Christmas movies. Yeah, we can I try. Know, I know I mean, it kind of got to be big after that. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I this, again, this is a holiday movie, and it's probably one of my. It's obviously one of my top holiday movies, but the, this is probably one of my favorite. Just feel good, funny morning. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> oh man, I um, I've uh, got an Eddie outfit. I've, I've got the Eddie outfit. Does I've this got surprise the... you, John? No, I wore it once. <laughs> it's, I've got no. Why haven't I worn it? Got the little. I got the, the little dickie? black dicky with dickie. the white, the yellow, the white sweater, and, uh, and the moose. Uh, and I got the moose for mugs. the eggnog. And, uh, Which references to the Wally World moose yes, as well. Yes, you know? yes. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm a big fan of, of Eddie, and I got the white leather shoes, uh, gray pants. They're too tight. Get yourself something nice, Clark. Yeah. Get that, you got that ghastly bulge. I, yes. I borrowed it and wore it to an ugly sweater yes, party that had you. the mug and everything else. Nice. Yeah, sure they probably did. loved you. That's good stuff. Oh man, it's a good movie. Is it John? Great time. John okay, is it the best best vacation movie? Uh, yes, I think for me it is. I, I think me it's too. The best vacation yeah. movie. I think it's unanimous. Yeah, it's it's the best. So, all right, that was number four. That means we got the big three left. Number three. Yeah. Well, I uh, I, th- I think it's time to go. You ready? Where do you think you're going? To a movie. Party? Movie party what it is folks we're going to a movie party it's such a little liar no i've whipped up this nasty little soiree over at his friend wyatt's house soiree what soiree honey i think that means um party party you know there's going to be sex drugs rock and roll chips dips chains whips a couple of hundred kids running around in their underwear acting like complete animals number three weird science here we go so we get Anthony Michael Hall returning again for his third John Hughes movie, and this time uh, him and he plays Gary. Him and his friend Wyatt, played by can't remember his name right now, Ian something or other. Yeah, yeah, Ian Mitchell Smith. Thank you. Um, they are our nerds. Uh, they're you know laughed at at school, um, picked on by the bully, being. Anthony Michael Hall and his buddy, whose name I can't remember right now, um, they decide they're going to, since they can't, you know, get women to have interest in them, they are going to create one. And the and the the whole premise for the movie is just outrageous. I mean, it, you know, but man, did it did it work? It did. It did. So uh, he wrote that film in two days. You're kidding me. Not kidding. Jeez. I couldn't write something like that in my lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, Kelly LeBrock plays the girl they created. Uh, She was a supermodel at the time. Crushing? Were were we crushing back then? I think we were a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, Especially at the end when she's got the gym uniform, the wrestling outfit on. Uh huh. Yeah. That's pretty good. Um, So, they create this girl who. They go on uh, an evening of adventures, and they throw a big party. And um, right, what do you guys think? Well, I mean, they don't throw the party. She actually yeah. throws the party, and it's, there was it's at, no it's better at scene. House. 
there was no better scene is when the doorbell rang and they go to the door and there the front lawn is there's just hundreds of kids out on the front lawn and they also all of them say hey all at the same time and you just see why it just fall back and, <laughs> and, and and passes out onto the floor oh that's so funny my my favorite line is uh one of them there's so many again this is a one of those other ones that has tons of one-liners but uh gary and Wyatt are hiding in the bathroom because like they're overwhelmed the girls they like are out there and they mm-hmm. happen to come to the door in the bathroom, the bathroom door yes yeah <laughs> and uh and and Anthony Michael Hall's character Gary goes, hey, "What's going on, ladies?" And Wyatt says, "Gary just floated a hot air biscuit." And he's laughing, and the next thing you see is his hand just smack, smack him, him in the face and wipes a smile off. And, his and face. now he goes, uh, "There are some. There are two pretty girls standing outside the door, and you're in here dropping wolf bait." <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! So this came out in 1985. Robert and, Downey was uh, the, one of the punks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah he was. He again. This, we talked about this before, Matt. When you know Anthony Michael Hall was getting lead roles and Iron Man was right. getting these supporting roles, right? Absolutely, <laughs> it's, just, it's just hilarious to look at now. Um, so, uh, favorite lines? Anything? Oh, that, I mean. Uh, I put these guys on the spot, so you know they're just have to come up with I, these. I'm lines. not going to stand here and listen to this baloney. He won't, you know. He doesn't stand for baloney. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the grandparents. I don't know what that what that accent is. It a British accent? But it's and, yes. and and then of course when they're stuck in the bathroom, uh, White says it's not that bad. We can hear the music, and then Gary says, "Oh, we can hear the music. That's great. Maybe we put our noses through the door. We can smell the food." <laughs> Uh, when they're standing in the in the gym, and uh, Anthony Michael Hall and the other guy, I don't know why I can't think of his name, but he um, his his name is uh, Robert Rustler. He plays Max, and um, he um, they they pull their shorts down. All the cute girls there looking at oh, this too, and they're right. and they're tidy whities and their skinny yeah. legs. So, yeah, funny stuff. Um, Chet is a big scene stealer. Yes. Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. It's where we first get introduced to him. Yeah. I, I believe this is his first film. You're stewed, Buttwad. Stewed Buttwad. Dude, that's the... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, He was funny. He punches him in the head. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm just... Random thoughts are coming up to the, of this movie left and right. Seeing um, them with the brawls on their head... It's yeah. just iconic. I mean, that's an iconic scene. You know, yeah. that's just that was just always so funny. Um, another one of my favorite scenes is when they're getting ready to go out on the town, and they come out of the bedroom dressed in these suits. I, you know, checkered patterns, bow tie, and all of a sudden she automatically changed their outfits into these really pimping eighties cool. outfits. And uh, White yells, "Oh my gosh, whose stuff is this?" Um, and he goes, oh, you look great. Uh, you remember the scene when they come out of the bedroom and their clothes change like that? Yeah, it's like they just transform. Yes, and yes. oh my gosh, whose stuff is this? Is this your stuff? <laughs> when uh, I liked when they, um, uh, when they were at that bar and then Anthony oh. Michael Hall gets drunk and he's talking to all the, 
all the the guys in the club. They're older guys. Most most of them are black guys. And and here's a little white bread Anthony Michael Hall getting a little drunk, and he's talking like one of the brothers, man. Yeah, hilarious. And he goes, uh, "What can I say, Dino? She likes malakas." And, yeah. and Dino just starts laughing. Ah, 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 yeah. Who was also in another movie. And that we will mention about. later, yes. yes. Um, that's right. We got a lot of them. So, any other thoughts on uh, Weird Science before we move on? Uh, another, another, again, another good soundtrack. Uh, yeah, oh, yes, it was. And also, another movie where the nerd gets the. Gets the girl. Gets the girl. Yeah. yeah. Cute girls. Too. Well, and, and they kind of, also they kind of stand up, face their fears a little bit, like the whole big fight in the party. Yeah. I mean, because normally they just roll over and, and take their whooping and take yep. their wedgies, but uh, oh know, yeah, the they, they the guy from the fight. Motley Crue video, yes, yeah. and hills with eyes, yes, yes. So I mean, that was, was kind of a neat little, you know. Uh, powerful One of those feel good thing. things. Uh, so I, I think it's kind of oh. John Hughes has this common pattern with these movies that uh, that are are offbeat wacky just off-center people kind of become well adjusted by the end yeah like they've learned a life lesson they've grown up and they're they're kind of you know we feel better about them and the the one part that i i I forgot i can't believe i did is they're in the mall and they're sitting below the balcony (laughs) and white says you know for the first time in my life i don't feel like a complete I forget what word he says he there. Loser, and about that time, they pour that slushy <laughs> and hits him in the head. And real calmly, he takes his hair and flips it back like this. Just it's crosses back his legs. And just crosses his legs. The the funny part to me about the slushy, because they had these two cups of slushies, there must have been three gallons that dumped right, on them. So right, they got oh, these two sure. cups, but it just kept pouring and pouring. Yes, that's right. Oh, it's funny stuff. Any other thoughts on this epic picture? It's epic. It's yeah. just epic. They tried to do a um, a TV show, and it, it yeah, failed. Yeah, that's right. They did. It failed. Uh, again, it's one of those things. It's yeah. like, just leave it leave it right where it is. It, it, you did your job, and you know, stop trying to make money off of something that's going to make you lose money. So, All right. Uh, any other thoughts? We're good. Okay. Uh, that means we've only got a couple left, and I'm pretty sure you know what they are. Number two. The key to faking out the parents is the clammy hands. It's a good non-specific symptom. I'm a big believer in it. A lot of people will tell you that a good phony fever is a deadlock, but uh, you get a nervous mother, you could wind up in a doctor's office. That's worse than school. You fake a stomach cramp. And when you're bent over, moaning and wailing, you lick your palms. It's a little childish and stupid, but then so is high school. This was a close vote for us. Very close. But number two was Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. Could have won either way. Could have. Oh, was this one in the number one? Yeah, several several of John Hughes' uh, list, movie lists that are out there. This is some t- list number two, some number one, number two, number one. So, great movie. Yes, and more one-liners in this movie than yeah. just about but, any movie I've ever seen. And we all wanted to be Ferris. Yeah, we did. We would have Absolutely. loved 
to have spent a day like that. Oh, again, Chicago. I it I mentioned this on a podcast a few months ago. Like one of the very first podcasts we did a thing about eighties teen movies, and I had brought up the fact that. I kind of fancied myself sort of like Ferris back then, you know. Really, I was thinking Cameron. <laughs> yeah. Woo! Oh man, come on, Ferris, tell us what you got. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I, you know, kind of got along with everybody. You know, yeah, yeah, lots of good friends, lots yeah. of people around. You I know. can see a Ferris, but but the reality of me back then was more like Barry Goldberg. Who would have been not your, not nearly who, as cool as I thought I was? Who would have been your Cameron? Let's say you were Ferris. Who would have been my Cameron? I know, I know who it would have been. I who who would have been my Cameron? You probably. No. <laughs> if I were Ferris Bueller, who would have been a, a, a? And if you're listening, I'm sorry, but who would have been a better Cameron than Mark Skaggs? Skaggs, yes. Skaggs. <laughs> he said, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Oh, my gosh. He would have been a great guy. Uh-huh. Yes. And, and he, instead of having, like, the Porsche or whatever car, he had, like, the Fiero. That's <laughs> right. Which could, Jeannie had the Fiero. His uh, sister had the Fiero in the yeah. movie. So, oh, that's yeah, great. she had Skaggs' car. That's funny. That's, that's good. Very well. Uh, so, uh, basically, again, to bring the, the plot around... Um, Ferris Bueller plays this super cool kid. Uh, everybody likes him. He's he's not a jock. He's not a nerd. He's not any of those things. But he's just like well liked by everybody. Yeah. Lots of friends. And he decides he is tired of high school and he wants to take a day off and show his friend Cameron and his girlfriend Sloane a great day. Yeah. That's the plot. Sloan, <clears throat> Sloan was pretty girl. Sloan was gorgeous. Yeah. Yes. Sloan and if you girl. see her nowadays, she not bad. No, she's what's aged she doing now? Yeah. What's she doing? She oh, doing I have, anything? She's probably no just like breathing and blinking right now. I'm uh-huh. guessing she might be doing some other things too. Mm. But uh, yeah, again, like from from the beginning when Ferris fakes like he's sick at home. Yeah. Um, that's great, um, dude. And the way he does it, I mean, with. The degree of of planning and preparation with the the the, the mannequin in in the bed and the, when the door opens and the, the the weight pulley system comes and and this which turns the the ba- baseball over to the hit the machine hear him snore I mean it's perfect yeah it's perfect he knew what he was doing he, this yeah. is he's good Ferris was good like like the one part of the movie Cameron says you knew what you were gonna do when you woke up this morning did you he's mm-hmm. like me? <laughs> uh, six days to write this film. Man. Amazing. That is amazing. So this re- was released in 1986 and, again, filmed all around Chicago, including the Sears Tower, Wrigley Field, the Art Institute of Chicago, and the very famous parade scene downtown Chicago. Yes. So, John, you lived in that area. Did you go to these places and visit? I, uh, oh, yeah, not specifically because, hey, I'm going to go where... You know, Ferris Bueller, Ferris Bueller went. went, but I've been to uh, most of those places. I've never been to the the parade, the Von Steuben. It's actually a parade mm-hmm. um, that takes place every year the on Von, Von Steuben Day. The Von Steuben Day, yes. And so that was his on the float that was filmed during that parade. That parade. That's awesome. Um, I have been to the Sears Tower and the Art Institute of Chicago. Yes, and I go. saw that you know where he, where Cameron's looking at that picture of the girl holding her mom's hand. 
I, I got to see that in person. Oh, that's cool. I stared at it just like that too. <laughs> I didn't get I didn't get hypnotized by it like Cameron did, but you know. I I think one of the, my favorite quotes and kind of sets the tone of the movie is uh, the question. <clears throat> the question isn't. What what are we gonna do today? The question is, what are, aren't we going to do today? Yes. I mean, it's just like his goal. This movie is just him filling this day with some amazing things. Yes. Uh, other funny quotes was from Ed Rooney, oh. the, the <laughs> principal. He was amazing. He was I did great. not achieve this position in life by having some snot-nosed punk leave my cheese out in the wind. <laughs> yes. Now. I have no idea what that means, leave my cheese out in the wind, but I really don't think it was meant to mean anything whatsoever, <laughs> honestly. Oh, that's true. That is true. I, I, I hear those kind of phrases. So sometimes I make up stupid things that I say that don't mean anything, but I think you're onto something there. Yeah. I think yeah. But I liked when uh, they were trying to pose as Sloan's father on the phone. Rooney, oh. you're an a-hole. Yeah. yeah. And Ferris kicks him. <laughs> Mr. Rooney, yes. you don't like the way I do it. You do it yourself. Um, do Winner the Sausage King of uh, uh, trying to get Abe to Abe Roman, the Abe Sausage Roman. King of Chicago. The sausage King. Uh, <laughs> if, I, if I'm going to get busted, it's not going to be by a guy like that. that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and, and that, that kind of brings up the point. This is one of the first movies where you know your lead actor is Talks. not just talking to it's not a movie what we're he's watching talking to the he's camera. talking to us yeah it breaks he, down that third wall he talked to me i mean he was yeah. telling me things that, that i need to know and he would and then you would see words i remember when words would pop up on the screen and you're going so cool you know yeah. i mean I, that was just it was a whole new thing <laughs> in movies i mean you just you don't do that or it hasn't been done that at least not to that scale. But yeah. someone who was supposed to be so smart had to know that you're not going to run miles off of a vehicle by, by it putting it into reverse. Right. Well, which is why he didn't have a driver's license. <laughs> what, he, what, what, he was not very street smart. What, what did I do? You, you killed the car. <laughs> <laughs> when when Cameron kicks that Ferrari through that glass oh, window, that was... Uh, that was actually uh, an MG. Was it an MG? Yeah, it wasn't, a, obviously, because that real Ferrari, there was one that they used to film, but they hardly were even allowed near it. What you saw going off the cliff was an MG that was I made I never to look. knew that. Dude, yeah. when, that, when those dudes were driving it in, in the parking garage, and they were, <laughs> I mean, that And the Star Wars awesome. theme is they're yes. leaping over the he hills. He goes, uh, I'm a professional. Yeah. And he goes, a professional what? The guy oh. that took the car. Right, yes. right. Oh, uh, so and then Jeannie, so many funny lines. Like, she hated her brother. The part where she's sitting in the police station with Charlie Sheen. Oh, that's classic. And and she, sa she, says, um, she says, why don't you blow yourself? And he's sitting there, and he kind of looks down at his crotch and looks back at her again. Yeah. <laughs> Just like the, the little subtle things. When when she finally leaves a police station, she starts singing Donka Shane. Yeah, cracks me up. Really, I didn't. Yeah, I next didn't next time you that. watch it, as she's walking, as she's you know where she's laughing when they, she gets done making out with him, she's laughing, she's walking away, she starts singing Donka Shane. So that's, um, yeah. she tells him to put his thumb up his butt. That was fun. There were some interesting facts that 
uh, I found about this. Uh, Ferris's parents, Lyman Ward, who was also in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, mm-hmm. and his mom, Cindy Pickett, yep. were actually married in real life for a short were time. Were they? Did not know that. During the movie? Or? Yeah, they married in real life after the filming and then divorced in 92. Wow. Interesting. That's definitely a marriage made for the 80s. Uh, this one I thought was neat. The license plates for the cars that were in there. Yeah. Do you remember what the license plate was for the Ferrari? Nervous. Nervous. Yes. Um, nice. Katie's car um, had VCTN. Um, they were titles from the, the films. Most of the license plates were all abbreviations for titles of films. Whether it was VCTN for Vacation, uh, TBC for The Breakfast Club. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, MMOM for Mr. Mom. Uh, yeah. And Rooney's was 4FBDO. 4F. Which was Ferris Bueller's Day Off. No kidding. That's awesome. License plates, yeah. I, see, I that's didn't, a neat little see, fun John, fact, John. That's yeah. very good. Because I know in his movies he always has, um, always has personalized custom tags. Yeah. So, and I, I didn't, I never. So okay, the nervous one. What was that from? That was that was from nothing other. That wasn't from any of his films. That was simply just Cameron's father. Cameron's nervous. About well, it, yeah. yeah, Cameron's yeah. father was just, you know. Sounds like he loved his car more than. Well, he and the did house him. was like a museum. It was cold, and you can't touch anything. That's right. It yeah. Is. So, um, this film took five point eight million dollars to make, and it grossed seventy point one million. It's one of the highest grossing films of nineteen eighty six. Pretty good uh, yeah. investment there. So uh, again, this is one that um, they also try to do a show for. Jennifer, really? Jennifer Aniston pl- played uh, Simone's role. Really? Yeah, did oh. not did not last very long at all. Um, <clears throat> we were talking about, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, Sequels? No, no. Um, the girl that was in uh, Ferris's Bueller Day. Oh Day. yeah, Christy Swanson. Christy Swanson. Yes, yeah. she was Simone Adamsley in the classroom. Exactly. We talked about Ferris <coughs> passing out at 31 Flavors right. and all mm-hmm. that. So that was uh, that was interesting. Yeah, uh, that was Ben Stein's first movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was asked to come right? down and read a part, and um, he actually taught, and he just started teaching that subject and telling them about that voodoo economics. He, he said that they <laughs> they applauded it. The you know the kids, the extras in the classroom absolutely loved it. Couldn't stop <laughs> laughing. That's funny. Yeah. I mean, and how many times do you do you hear the phrase Bueller? Oh yeah. Bueller. Oh, we say it all the time. When our friend isn't paying attention to us, Bueller. Bueller. And Ben Stein, actually, I I believe, was on um, um, President Nixon's staff. Yes, he was. He was a a speechwriter for President Nixon. Well, actually, Nixon and Ford. So. It's so crazy that Jennifer Grey, uh, that's Baby, right? That's Baby. Yeah. Yeah. Dirty Dancing. She was in. Shoot, what's the the war movie Wolverines? Uh, Red Dawn. Escaping? Red Dawn. Thank you. Josh. Well, and that's why too many things going through my brain at once. She was one that suggested uh, Charlie Sheen for that role in Ferris Bueller's Day Off because she had worked with him in Red Dawn. Yeah, 
and that's how he ended up because oh, she wow. suggested that part. Him. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie Sheen playing a druggie. As <laughs> a stretch. Stretch. Uh, we need we need a druggie. I got mm. the guy. So okay, here's a question. Jennifer Grey before or after the nose job? Uh, I, I'm good either way, actually. I would have Yeah, I, I, I think she's adorable either way. I kinda I kinda miss the old nose just because, you know, the roles and stuff. Right, right. She looked more distinct distinct than she does now, but she's still I mean, she's like close to sixty now and she still looks great. Is she, she really? She is sixty. Is she sixty? No kidding. Yeah. March twenty sixth, nineteen sixty. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, she she was uh, her role. I think her role is one of the most unheralded role supporting roles. Right in the movie. Yeah. And and you got to think her screen time with Ferris is about two minutes. In but the it's, whole movie. but it's, it's so good though. Oh, it is. I mean, the the fact that she is just so bent on busting him. Yes. You know, and and so okay, we we talked about the John Hughes good moments and, mm-hmm. and how, how do you you wrap one of the moments up for this movie you yeah. talked about earlier yeah. what's the feel good moment well when he uh, kisses uh, Simone goodbye says he's going to marry her one day uh-huh. or whatever and then uh, the, the run home and he finally gets in bed throws a baseball at the at the thing and everything but, gets but, back uh, but in also place. the reconciliation of, of Cameron of finally the, gets it Cameron does, but, but I'm, I'm saying the, the brother and sister. Yes, because yes. like she tried so hard to bust it and ruin him, and then at the very last minute she stands mm-hmm. up for her brother, you know, kicks the principal out of there, and has that moment with Ferris. That's pretty cool yeah. stuff. So here, here's a fun fact: while filming Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Jennifer Grey and Matthew Broderick were dating. Yes, they were. Yeah. Brother and sister. Yeah, and they weren't in Kentucky either. Shut up. Yep. She was. She had so little part in that movie. Uh, it, it, there's a, a channel you can watch called Reunited Apart. Oh yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. Josh Gad does. That. Yes. Yes. And they brought the cast of Ferris yeah. Bueller's Day Off all together. She would disguise herself and act like a autograph hound, autograph hunter, and would go to the cast of the movie in disguise to get. Yes. Autographs. Yes. That's funny. that's how little she was in that movie. Oh, that's yeah. so fun. Yeah, they, she had like big long stretches between film, oh, filming yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yep. And can anyone do? Can you recreate Cameron's uh, little flick on the side of his jaw? To, oh, yeah, I can't yeah. do it. Whoop! Yeah. I, I can't. Yeah. Can you? No, but they had him do that. Yes. Uh, yes, on they that, did. That Josh reunited Ray. apart. Yeah. He did that and. Whoop. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I, that's just, that was such a good movie. I mean, to me, it was just, it was unique, it was different, it was fun, high energy, it was, uh, I just love that movie. And this, this is one that I I wish we could have had a sequel of. Absolutely. Like, um, and, 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 and what would and their sequel be? I mean, Well, they, they could have done several things with the character. Maybe not, maybe necessarily make it a day off. But but maybe like say we get Ferris a couple years later in college and he's challenged like like he's gotta pull off the ultimate party like Van Wilder style. Or or like he Cause, has... cause Van Wilder, let's face it, is Ferris Bueller. It it is. It, yeah. it's yeah. the college Ferris Bueller. Yeah. So if they would have named him Ferris Bueller and had Matthew Broderick play the role, would have worked. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. 
So and then he could have done a later one as a dad later. You know, he's he's like, you know, the the typical soccer dad. Him and Sloan are married. They live in the suburbs, got the minivan, and then maybe like he needs you know, he needs to get party weekend shenanigans yeah, or something. Cameron's working eighty hours a week at his dad's accounting firm and uh he's gotta, yeah. and they they just gotta get away and then take a road trip across the country or something. There's something he could have done, I think, with that. I I love Matthew Broderick. I just think I too. he's I think he's great. I do too. I mean, like like John Cryer. I don't think I like him, but I mean, I guess he aged and stuff. He just seemed a, a kind of weirder, or whatever at times. Mm-hmm. But Matthew Broderick, just I think he just seems cool still. Yeah. That that's not the one I was thinking to do a sequel on, of course. Oh. <laughs> but because I don't, I don't, I don't know. Well, see, it's the thing. It's like uh, me and Matt talked about this. Like, you think about the TV shows of the '80s. Like, we tend to get to know those characters throughout the years. But movies, we just give them for a snapshot for an hour and a half. I think there's so many things that could have been done with the Ferris Bueller character. Like, they could have taken him and done lots of things with him. Oh yeah, I mean, the the, the whole college. There's you know whether it be he has to pass the test, but the conflict is the same night as the concert, and how's he going to pull them both off? I mean, it's all kind of things. Yep. We could write a movie in four or five days on this, right? We could do it. He's, I'm sorry. He's a righteous dude. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what was her name? What was Eden McClurg's, the... the uh, her her character's yes. name? Yes. Um, shoot. Uh, as she uh, says, Grace. Grace! 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 <laughs> they say he's a righteous dude. He's a righteous dude. Well, just, it kind of made it look like an a-hole is what he did, Ed. <laughs> yeah. I, I just loved how everyone... Go, he goes, I don't trust him as far as I could throw him. And Grace says, uh, I don't think you really need to be throwing anyone something on the count of your bad knees or your bad back or something. I don't remember what it was, but... <laughs> I, I just, I loved how everybody... And we still see his shirt, Safe Ferris. How I have everyone, one. Do yeah, really? I do have yeah. a safe Ferris. My daughter so got it for me. Concerned for Ferris. You know, oh just, yeah, that that was hilarious. And Janie's like, "You say Ferris Bueller, you'll lose a testicle." Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Oh, it's funny. And so, um, another thing we had talked about uh, a while back was um, people that that did not get the role that auditioned for Ferris back then. Um, one of them was um, Johnny Depp, hmm. uh, Robert Downey Jr. Could see who, him. Doing I think it. he could. He could have pulled off Ferris. Yeah, I think if anybody could have, I think he could have done it. Um, there were uh, shoot Alan Ruck, who actually got the part of Cameron, auditioned for it. Anthony Michael Hall was another one. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, yeah, uh, but I, it, I think Matthew Broderick did right. pretty well. I think, I think they, they did got... too. He did it too. But we can say that because he made. That's all we know. Yeah. That's all we know. Yeah. You could have thrown one of those other guys in there, and they could have nailed it. And we go, oh, they got it right. right. You know, I would have loved to have seen them in that part. But yeah, I, I think if anybody else in that era could have done. Okay, here, yeah, I found the full list here. I, I knew, I knew, I had it. Um, Anthony Michael Hall was one. Jim Carrey. Hmm. No, I would have. Too over the top. Yeah. Uh, he might have been a good Cameron. He would have been a good Cameron. Yeah. So Tom Cruise was one. Too back, intense. Yeah. Back then, though, back then I could see that. I, I, kinda. I, in the eighties. Yeah, he's never been especially funny to me, except for in um, 
Um, was it Dodgeball? No, no, not Dodgeball. I can't remember. Something he wore the fat suit in. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you know which one I'm talking about. Uh, Michael J. Fox was another one. And our guy, John Cusack. John Cusack. Yeah, I would have. I would have liked to seen John. Cusack but see, now, see yeah. that John Cusack did High Fidelity, which is basically the same premise of, you know, talking to the, the camera. The, the camera. Yeah. So it's kind of like a Ferris Bueller, but I think it was made in two thousand three or something, or you know, two something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah around two thousand. Mm-hmm. So it was made, you know, considerably later, but it's the same premise. It's almost as if. You know, they took a page from Ferris Bueller and just made a cool, you know, cool... I love High Fidelity. Too. I do, too. Great, great, great movie. Um, so, yeah. I, I, out of all those guys, I think Anthony... Or not Anthony Michael Hall. I think Robert Downey Jr. probably could have done a good Ferris. Yeah. So, but... He could do the humor as well. Yeah. I, I could see him talking to the camera. I could see him dancing oh, yeah. in the parade float and all that other stuff. Twist and shout, baby. Donk of Shane. Come on. Yeah, wonderful. All right, anything else on Ferris before we move on to this little-known movie as number one? Yeah. Okay. Let's go. All right. Number one. Dear Mr. Vernon, we accept the fact that we had to sacrifice a whole Saturday in detention for whatever it was we did wrong. But we think you're crazy to make us write an essay telling you who we think we are. And you see us as you want to see us. In the simplest terms, with the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a brain and an athlete and a basket case, a princess and a criminal. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours, The Breakfast Club. Don't, don't, don't. So... If you know anything about John Hughes or about 80s movies, you will not be surprised that the number one movie that we chose is The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. This, this is uh, one of my favorite 80s movies. Oh, yeah. One of my all-time favorite movies. It's in my top three or four movies of Absolutely. all time. It has to be. Has um, to be. Judd Nelson, Ali Sheedy, Molly Ringwald, Emilio Estevez, Anthony Michael Hall uh, play oh. five kids, different, different walks of life. Mm-hmm. Ended up getting stuck in Saturday detention <coughs> with uh, the evil Mr. Vernon overseeing Mr. them. Vernon. Yes. I think this movie is just, it, for the 80s, it really defined the roles of, you know, every school has them, you know, the, the jock, the nerd, the, mm-hmm. you know, the, and, and this just really put a face to each and every one of them. And, and, and again, you know, John does a lot of stereotyping, you know, in, in a lot of his movies, and he really plays each part pretty strong. But yeah, I mean, th- this one had like just five distinct, clear lines that you see in every school. Yeah, like every high school in America had a representative has, yeah. in, in the, from this movie. Yes, the the one thing I thought was missing though is the average kid that, that was kind of like me. Like, I was just an average guy in the hall. Like, you, they didn't I mean, really have that. Kind of Anthony Michael Hall? I don't mean, know. He was he kind was, of... A, I mean, he, was, he was definitely an off-the-charts, bookworm, uber-smart, kept his fake idea, ID to vote. Yeah. You know, yeah. That, yeah, he did. Yeah. So the, there was... I think there was there was a class that wasn't yeah, represented. Yeah, that, that might be it. Yeah. The, the quiet... Yeah, you're right. Yeah, the, but the movie was flawless. Oh, so good. 
you mean the boring guy? Pretty much. Yeah. That's who you know. That, well, that's who was. He wouldn't be in detention. Not that you're boring, Rob. I but, wasn't but, saying but, that. But, but that kid's not. In detention. That kid would have been in detention for too many tardies. He shows up late every day. He didn't, didn't uh, really he, want to be there. Does he? He does. I don't know. 50, don't know. 52 tardies my senior year, brother. Did you really? 52. That's not even an exaggeration. Wow. So Mr. Weber was the one of the principals, had me in his office. He's like, how in the world do you have 52 tardies? And I just said, I said it's just hard to make myself come to school every day. That's insane. And he goes, he's like, no, not that part. Like, how... Am I just now hearing about you having 52 tardies? And I think in my senior book, I've got the thing over there with that in it. Rob Fott's day off. That's yeah. what they... Yeah, that's that's what no, Rob Fott only had like 15 minutes off a day. Oh, that's <laughs> Every day. So I, I got like a three-day detention for that. So I could have seen you know him sending me to Saturday school. Okay. And just kind of hanging out. Like, he's just a guy observing everything. Yeah. So you would have just been sitting at the table. You'd been watching these five interact. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yep. Let's I probably, I probably would have gotten a fight. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Bender. Bender. Yeah, it would have been me instead of uh, instead of Andrew. You see it. Yeah. See it? Okay. Just because you know Andrew was a jock and Bender wanted to know if he could take him. Right. He felt bad for Anthony Michael Hall. Uh, you know, for right. Brian, but he wouldn't have felt bad fighting somebody that's average. Absolutely not. <laughs> I would have kicked the crap out of him too. Here we go. In real life, in real life, Judd Nelson was a prep school kid. He couldn't fight. No. Uh, Written in two days. The screenplay was written in two days. John, is this the one that you would like to see a sequel to? Yes. Why? Because I think it it's an easy lead in into their afterlife out of high school, and they completely flip the script on the type of person they were in high school. Maybe Judd Nelson's character is now, you know, computerstartup.com guy. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But I would have loved to seen okay, a remake I could, I could of this that. movie. I could see that. That would be good. Um, the uh, John Hughes wanted Molly Ringwald and Anthony Michael Hall to be in the movie. The other three were cast. And Robin Wright... Jodie Foster, Foster and Laura Dern were all up for the role of Allison. Oh, wow. So if you guys don't know who Robin Wright was, is she, it's Robin Jenny. Wright, Robin Wright Penn. Yeah, exactly. She's Jenny from Forrest Gump. Oh, She's also yeah. in Princess Bride. Right. So that was, uh, was kind of fun. Um, Emilio Estevez originally auditioned for the role of Bender. could see that. I could totally see that. But he couldn't, uh, John Hughes couldn't find no one else to play Andrew Clark. Right. So Estevez was cast as this. So Nicolas Cage was originally one of the people they wanted for the role of John Bender. Um, and then it went down to, uh, he, he made the final cut, and then it got down to John Cusack or Judd Nelson. Wow. So think about like those guys. I, I couldn't see Cusack. I, I couldn't either. I couldn't see uh, Nicolas Cage there either. I think he would overact. Oh yeah, that would, yeah. that would have been horrible. Like I like him, but not in that role. Again, we've seen this movie so many times that we can't think of anyone else as Bender. Uh-uh. You know what I'm saying? So yep. it's I can't to... think of anybody in any of those other characters. Yeah, they, they were like all when you think of that era, that time, like 
Yeah. Yeah. Like you couldn't put Matthew Broderick in any of those roles it's like, or Tom it's Cruise like or John Hughes totally got it right. Uh, John or Tom Tom Cruise probably could have done uh, uh Emilio Estevez's role, I think. Yeah. Sure, I think any any, you know, pretty boy jock could have done that. Yeah, that part. was probably the easiest role I think yeah, for them to right. cast was that one cuz you know, you right. just got to act like you're tough. That is pretty cool. Yeah. So, um one of the things that that I liked about this, well, here's another one, uh, the role of Carl the janitor. Ah, there we go. Was originally um, they wanted Rick Moranis to do it. Yeah. Oh no, I, that'd been. I would like to see that. Yeah. I would like to see that. But due to creative differences, he was replaced. So Rick Moranis was originally signed to do the role, and was gone. Was he? Oh, I don't know. Creative differences, whatever that means, but. <laughs> But uh, Carl the janitor, if you remember the very beginning of the movie, they showed the pictures of the, the man picture. of the year. One of them was Carl the janitor, yes, oh. who also was Dino in Weird Science. In Weird Science. Who called uh, Anthony Michael Hall the maraca? Yeah, the malaka. Malaka is that malaka? Malaka. I'm thinking it's a little shaky. He goes, uh, yeah, and he says hi to Brian, and uh, he goes, "Well, your father worked here, your dad worked here." Thunder <laughs> said to Brian, "Your yeah. dad worked here." <laughs> And and Brian just kind of hides his head. Um, the um, the original movie was about three hours long, a mm. hundred and fifty minutes. I could have watched well, every if, minute of it and loved if, it. If they would made it today, they probably would have left it that late. Probably, but back then it was like two hours and gotta get it out of there. Yeah. So um, that. That version does exist, but it is in a vault in John Hughes's home, and he did not want to release it. Yeah. So I, I hope that one day maybe his widow or their family, right. just you know, for the fans, will release that because like there's like dream sequences and stuff. Because oh, like remember remember the remember the part where Anthony Michael they fall asleep. And he's like adjusting his pants, like he's yeah, he puts you know, his cap down yeah, there, to, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like he's you know, a little aroused. Well, that was following a erotic dream he had right. of some girls oh, after man. him or something. So um, that that would be, uh, and in the original script also had like other other employees of the school hmm. made appearances. In the... Maybe we should like, call and ask her. Has anyone ever just asked her? Hey, like, could we, could we see it? Yeah, can we, can we see that? Can we see and it would be could, cool if 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 they if they would let you in, like, hey, I'm not bringing a cell phone, no recording device. I just want to see it. Yeah, yeah. that'd be cool. That'd be cool. And also think about the reasons that they were had to do detention, mm-hmm. and we'll start with Molly Ringwald. She skipped school to go shopping. Yep. All right. Um, the one that I was kind of. I go, really? You get detention for this? Was Brian, Anthony Michael Hall's character. He brought the flare gun to school and yeah. it went off in his locker. You get detention. Yeah, yeah, you do. You're yeah. going to get jail time for that exactly. nowadays. Well, I think it because it was a flare gun, it was only it was the 80s. Yeah. So if it was an actual gun, maybe. Yeah. I mean, if they make a flare gun. finger gun nowadays, you yeah. get and then, insurance. Yeah, and then uh, uh, Emilio Estevez's character, I mean... He attacks someone in the locker room and he does duck, some physical harm to he someone. He duct taped Blair Lester's butt Larry cheeks Lester. together. Yeah. Well, you know how hairy it is. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and then, of course, Ali Sheedy's character had nothing else to do. That's right. She had yeah, nothing. She else so, what to did do. Bender get it for? I forget. <laughs> and uh, Bender pulled the fire alarm. Yes, that's right. I pulled the fire alarm. Fiery alarm. Yeah, that's that's alarm. Fiery alarm. Well, fiery alarm. Well, nowadays, go the alarms. Alarms. Call the alarm. Okay. But the, back then, it's an alarm. So, what are you, what are your favorite favorite quotes in this movie? There's oh, so many. Shoot. Um, oh man, Bender has the most. Yes. Uh, well, it, it starts off uh, how no dad. Drew, about you? How come Andrew gets? How come Andrew gets up? If he gets up, we'll all get up. It'll, it'll be, be anarchy. anarchy. <laughs> um, oh, the screw missing from the door. He asked Bender where the screw was because I don't know. It's an imperfect world. Screws, Screws fall, fall out, out all the time. time. Yeah. <laughs> When he when he uh, when he oh. asks when he asks Brian, he's like, "What would you do if you weren't out making yourself a better citizen?" Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, a neo maxi zoomed weeby. Yes, which he made up. Yep, he that's made that up himself. For, that's a yes. great line right there. Yes. Um, <laughs> what do you, what do you drink? Vodka. When do you drink it? Whenever. Whenever. That was that was Allison saying that part. That was that was good. Um. One of my favorites was where, um, when Bender was talking about his dad, and uh, and then Andrew starts talking about his dad, and, and Bender says, "Your dad, and my dad, ought to get together and go bowling." Yeah. <laughs> or, Your old man and my my old man should get together and go bowling. What's yours, John? Um, well, I'm in the physics club. We talk about physics, properties of physics. <laughs> so it's sort of social, demented and sad, but social. Yes. Very good. That's a long quote. Nice uh-huh. job. What was what was the the Andrew line that you said? No, like, it's the one that we, we say all the time, you know, two hits. Me hitting you, you hitting the floor. I mean we, we I mean how many times have we quoted that line? And you know, it goes back to the breakfast club. It stuff. does. It does. You know. And what I want to know is when Bender's climbing through the through the ceiling and he's telling the joke. There's no punchline. There's no punchline. There is. He none. made it up as he went, and there. Yeah. And they they I saw him in an interview. They asked him like, "Well, what's the punchline?" I was like, "I never thought that through." <laughs> so, <laughs> who knows? With a, a naked girl walks into a bar with a poodle under one arm and a sausage under and the a other, two foot salami or sausage yeah. under the other. The bartender says, "I." something about looks like you need a drink or I can't remember and that's when he falls through the ceiling it's like, oh! but if you there is no punchline to that joke it. at all the joke was a setup it was the setup the joke was the setup I love um, it and then go ahead what if your home what if your family what if your dope was on fire he says impossible sir it's in Johnson's underwear <laughs> which in fact that's where it was it, the, the look on uh Anthony Michael Hall's face. Oh, yeah, yeah. <gasps> <gasps> oh, crap. Now, there oh, is... Like... So they, they do end up smoking the dope, sitting yep, around, they do. going back and smoking the dope. And they start dancing uh-huh. around. Classic I think scene. I know where you're going with this. Yeah, and, and I thought it was absolutely ridiculous is when uh, Emilio Estevez runs back into that room and shuts the door and he screams, ah, like this, and the glass shatters on the door. Yeah, like, did he? Really? Yes. Yeah, so like, really? I, How could you? Yeah. yeah. I, I looked that up, and believe it or not, 
John Hughes says that was one of his biggest regrets about the movie was that the shattering of the was glass. the shattering of the glass because it made yeah it made absolutely no sense. Mm. The library that it was filmed in was actually built inside of a gymnasium. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yep, the whole set was built inside of a gymnasium. The whole set was and built. That that school is now like a police precinct. Really? Uh-huh. Oh. Shermer, which is fictional. He used yeah. Shermer High School. In fact, if you look at some of his movies where he showed the outside of the school, mm-hmm. it's always the same school and in fact it's the same shot. You see the same people moving in front of the school in one oh, movie wow. as they do in the other. That's funny. Well, they showed that in one of the houses, too. Like, the house in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles looks um, freakishly like the one in Home Alone. Yes. And actually, I think mm-hmm. it said it's about a mile down the road, same <laughs> neighborhood, but, uh, yeah. The the house that uh, John and Margot lived in, next mm-hmm. to the Griswolds, yeah. was actually the house that the Murtals from Lethal Weapon Yes. Danny Glover's family. I saw that some more just recently, in. as a matter yeah. of fact. That's fun. Uh-huh. Oh, that's great. So, Good uh, stuff. Yep. Um, so, The Breakfast Club, uh, released in 1985, took a million dollars to make, and it grossed $51.5 million. A million dollars to make. And is one of the most profitable movies, you know, in cost to profitability ratio, ratio yeah. ever. Well, what do you think? What do you think it was actors made for that movie? You I mean, know, with that, that is, couldn't have been. They got. They must have just got chump chains to make. You know, the movie. I, they didn't get the John Candy one million dollars for twenty. No, minutes, they so. did not. They, they could have had John Candy for this one movie, and that's it. Right. Um, I, I believe that a lot of their contracts were having to go with how profitable is a movie you get this percent right. you get 0.01 percent of right. whatever the profits were plus your you know hundred thousand dollars to do the movie or whatever it is but uh that was um that, that was cool i again i love this movie it holds a dear place in my heart let's talk about soundtrack soundtrack's amazing uh, one of my favorites, the only song any of you probably heard of is Don't You Forget About oh, Me. Absolutely love that song. And it's yeah. a great song. Uh, originally was pitched to Billy Idol. He turned it down. And he later did record it. Because, I mean, if you think about Jim Kerr's voice from The Simple Minds and Billy Idol's, they're very similar. Huh. So that was a uh, you know, good song. Everybody knows it on every 80s channel, every yep. 80s flashback, look back, whatever you call it, that song's played. Yep. Uh, also, um, in the um, um, movie was Wang Chung did a yeah. did a song. Uh, Carla what? DeVito, who did Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Yeah. What was the song that they danced to? Um, that... Dun, 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 dun. That was I'm the Dude. Really? By Keith Forsey. Oh, no, 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 no. This no, was no. A, a, no. a girl. That... Um, you're thinking Heart Too Hard, Heart Too yes. Hot to Hold, oh. which is Keith Forsey and Steve Schiff. All right, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm in the wrong line. That is Stephanie Spruill and Jesse Johnson, who was a guitar player for the time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Who he also did a um, an instrumental in this, in this soundtrack as well. Actually, I thought about the remake. I don't think it should have been years later. I think it should have been their first day back at school. 
That would have been great. Like, mm. yeah. Or maybe the first week. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. let, let's, let's go into their lives a little bit. You the know. first week, back at school. Because the, the movie was just the nine-hour detention. Yeah. Right? It was a nine-hour detention, and that was the movie. So the next movie would be Monday. Yeah. And it even sh- in the beginning of the movie, it says Monday, the bottom yeah. of the screen. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Maybe it builds up to, like, a Friday night party or something. Right. Like, the whole... The whole yeah. movie or plots around week. going to yeah. this party. Right. Because uh, I would have loved to have seen how, after spending that time together, and how they opened up to each other, what, right. you know, does Claire approach Brian at school and say hi? Does, you know, well, and also Bender and Claire are now an are item, they, as yeah. is... Allie and Andy. That's right. Which I think Allie and Andy could have worked. I think so. Because, you know, she's kind of go with the flow. I think mm-hmm. she could, you know, yeah. she's kind of digging him, so she can, she's probably uncomfortable with her new social circle. But, uh, yeah, that have been fun. The, uh, the ben- I mean, I, I, could you imagine Brian being, like, kind of harassed in the hallway and Bender coming and, Bender and cleaning somebody's coming- clock for messing with him? It would be cool to see that. Yeah. It would be cool uh-huh. to see it. To see, because would they, you know, they they came together as, as a committee of five or whatever, but... But would they represent? Would there be larger groups coming together? Mm-hmm. You know, to, that's a great thought. That's yeah, a great thought. I mean, when, when you think about because the the whole groundbreaking part, of the, what made that movie so special, is I think it, it it culminated when they were sitting in that circle together, kind of you know exposing their hearts, and I think that is what set brought this movie versus just being a good movie to a great movie because you got to see some transparency and you get to see these right. teenagers you know and again you're a teenager watching this going yeah I kind of feel that and just me being Joe Average like I saw some of myself and just about all those characters well, and, and we saw some of our friends like I, I watched that show like, oh yeah well that dude reminds me of so and so so then when Bender says those kind of things it makes me think I wonder if my buddy went through those kind of things yeah so, yeah, it, it just kind of really, oh, that's good. Yeah. And, and, you know, we could have explored, like, what could have happened in uh, in their homes. Like, you know, your Bender's house. Right. You know, is it really as bad as he said it was? Right. Or did he candy coat a little bit? It was a lot worse. Yeah. You know, what about in Andrew's house? You know, does him and his dad get into it? Mm-hmm. You know, Claire's parents are, you know, divorced and, and whatever is going on there. You know, it would have been great to see how that dynamic worked out as well. We could have had a few different, a lot of ways that could have yeah. went. Yeah. That would have that been a great sequel. That would have been a great sequel. Um, other interesting facts. The mother and sister, uh, uh, Brian's mother and sister that dropped him off at the school, mm-hmm. that's really his mom and his sister. Yes. And, oh, wow. And his sister, very cute today. Oh, really? Is a great jazz singer. Um, wow. I mean, she's all grown up now. You know, you got to figure that's 35 years ago. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, she's a great jazz singer, as is Molly Ringwald, as a matter of fact. So look up some of her YouTube stuff. Really? She, yeah, hear her sing. She's she's really good. Very so, cool. again, we talked earlier about her you know, having this great taste in music. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. And the uh, Anthony, or yeah, Anthony Michaels Hall's uh, dad that picks him up at the end, John Hughes. That's John Hughes. Mm-hmm. There you go. Is yeah. it really? Yep, sure is. I, I didn't even. I didn't even. Yeah. Didn't even. Notice Next time that you part. see it, look for it. Is there any more iconic scene uh, than the oh. fist pump at the end of the movie? 
Nothing. I mean, it, it, does that just... That's like, when you think of 80s movies... Do you get chills? You see yeah. it, yes. I do, mean, the fist honestly, pump, let's be honest. Seriously. I do. I no, do. Yeah. I get chills every single time. Because we, we all... I mean, our little circle, a bunch of... We wore those trench coats back in that day. I mean, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we why, did. But yeah. We did. We had those trench coats. And yeah. I don't know if we were bender wannabes, but we, we wore those. And that fist pump, man... Uh, Where... Uh, and and uh, speaking of his clothes and what Bender wore, where did that sneaker come from when he was in the gymnasium? <laughs> did he go? Did he cut through the locker room first? Do you, do you remember what I'm talking he about? Puts on, he puts on he the Chuck a, Taylor. Yeah. He's wearing his combat boots before, right. his work boots, sneaker. and he puts on a black high-top Chuck Taylor. Yeah. Like, I don't know. <laughs> he starts singing the U2 song. I want to be an airborne ranger. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So That's good stuff right there. Yeah. Funny stuff. And another part I always notice every single time I watch it, um, the one part where they're running from Rooney, they're going down the hall, you see, see him running past a window. It's dark outside. Oh, is it? Yeah. Why would yeah. it be dark on a deten- Saturday detention? It would from- Yeah. Yeah. Which, beginning to end, we see daylight. That part, it's dark. There it now, is. Now, maybe it was a black window. Yeah. Maybe. But I always want to think it's dark. <laughs> so... Great movie, number one, no question, no doubt. No I've got to go home and watch it now. Yep. Again. Yes, again and again and again. Again and again and again. Um, so I think that wraps up our show. Guys, this has been an extra long podcast. Thanks I should for, probably take next week off. If you're still hanging in there, thanks for hanging in there. Yes, <laughs> thank you. And our apologies for making it so long. But, I mean, there's a lot to talk about. We thought about breaking up, breaking it up into two parts. We thought, you know, part two is a lot more interesting than part one. So right. I mean, you, you get the full version. And, and sorry, but these are great movies. I mean, these are great yeah. stuff, and we're not like breaking down an hour on each movie. It's but they're good movies. Well, this man. one here is like twenty-four minutes. Okay, so maybe we are. Maybe we are. <laughs> so okay. yeah, the, the the last two took an hour, just about. Yeah. So. But hey, you know, we've had a lot of fun doing it. There it is. There it so. is. So. So yeah, so just wrap it all up. Um, we owe. A lot like this living in the 80s period owes a lot to John Hughes and and you know the memories he helped us make I mean even if we never met the guy we kind of feel like we knew him through his movies and stuff right and, right. and uh, we were talking uh, between takes here um, John had mentioned um, what that um, like say the, the movies that we discussed in the 80s it was it was in in some ways John himself was a teenager. Still, he still wanted to be a teenager. That's why he hung with these kids outside these movies with uh, Molly Ringwald. Um, once that was over, he made some movies after that, like Home Alone. Made all the Home Alone series, which did an extremely they, ton of money. Oh, over two hundred, you know, two hundred million. But it was also the beginning of the end for him because. They, he was making more family-friendly movies, which was great, but he lost. He he was trying to make some more teenage movies that just didn't. Did, that did he, out. Yeah, they did like, not. Yeah, well, what I heard was was he was writing these scripts that he didn't like. Yeah, and he was becoming very frustrated yeah. with the process. It's like he lost his creative edge. Um, I don't know if maybe the the teen stars that were you know, into the nineties. Like he couldn't find the right kind of chemistry. And, and that, I, I don't know and what it was. There was there was nothing new. He was 
still doing some of the same things and because he, he would offer these parts to Molly Ringwald, to Anthony and Michael Hall, and they would turn them down because they were afraid of being stereotyped. Being tap, uh, cast, what's the word? They, typecast. Type, yes, yeah. exactly. That's what they were afraid of and they would turn them down. Well, you didn't turn down John Hughes and when they did, he pretty much wrote them off and after the Home Alone series uh, and, and stuff like that, he pretty much went into hiding, didn't do any interviews, uh, just stopped working, basically. Um, his hmm. By that time, his uh, net worth was $150 million. Jeez, isn't that crazy? Yep. It's like one year of LeBron James' salary or something. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's yeah, nuts. Back then. But, but did, was he one, he didn't like, Considered like a sellout, was he? Do you think the home loan? Was, I think it, he may have it? viewed himself that way. Yeah, uh, I think I think you know if, you, if you're looking at his career, you just kind of see this progression of this guy that kind of did different, you know, from the vacation stuff into the the teen movies, and then you know into like Uncle Buck and then Home Alone Curly and stuff two, like home that. Alone, yeah. yeah, so Dennis the Menace. I mean, yeah, he yeah. Those, and it just. Just, yeah, it, it's kind of felt like it. he just was just making movies at that point, which I understand why you yeah. kind of become a recluse if you're not having fun doing what you're doing. Hmm. But I tell you what, guys, in our era, in our our coming of age days, There's so to speak, I mean, he was he was our guy, man. He, yeah, he really. I mean, we 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 reference how he formed us, but I mean he. It's weird to think that these movies, I mean, they really did kind of set the framework with how we talk, how we carry ourselves, how we view other people. How we dress. How we dress. Music we listen to. We mentioned that earlier. It really did kind of dictate how we grew up. And and we, you know, in these movies, they just, they cover a whole range of our growing up years. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, we we kind of are a product of of his, his work for sure. It's kind of sad that he didn't end his... Yeah. He died when he was 59, so... Yeah. I, I think he probably saw good movies left to make. I think if he could have had like a somebody to chapter. come alongside of him and kind of re-energize him, uh, maybe, you know, maybe he might have lived longer. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it, some people, just, they go into depression and they just give up, yeah. so who knows. But, okay, fellas, thank you for joining us. A lot of fun. We had a ton of fun, as always. And um, we'll come back with something new and exciting next week. Until then, stay fresh. Dark as shame, darling, dark as shame. Thank you for all the joy and pain. Picture show, second balcony, was the place we'd meet, second seat, go Dutch treat, you were sweet, dark as shame, darling, dark as shame. I have to go. I'm off like a dirty shirt. See you next Saturday. You still here? It's over. Why don't you go home? Why don't you put your thumb up your butt?